and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And our movie today is going to be an especially near and dear one to my heart. We are going to do the 2006 comedy Borat, and it actually has a much longer title that I will not be spelling out, but we'll just call it Borat for now. And uh, just to sum up basically how the argument on this podcast is going to go, Brad at one time was considered maybe the funniest movie of all time, and then it kind of fell out of favor where people were kind of tired of it, and then it got to a point where you're not supposed to reference it anymore because maybe it's a little too offensive for a modern era, modern audience. But I'm going to bring back the love for it because it may indeed be the funniest movie I have ever seen, and I'm just so excited to giddily jump into this one, and we'll see how far we can go without doing a Borat impression, and I am predicting not long. (laughs) All right, so my uh, guest here, you hear him giggling in the background there. Uh, I had him on this show once before. He uh, came on for one of the funnest episodes I've done so far, Walk Hard. And uh, he, like me, is a student of comedy. He has his own podcast called Hail Satire. And just when he and I get together, we just talk about comedy theory and the history of comedy. And I'm so excited to bring him back, the master of podcast energy, Vic Shetty. <laughs> oh, what a what a glorious intro. And uh, thank you, Mario. I, I hope that we bring some comedy learnings uh, to make the glorious benefit for the nation of staff picks. <laughs> yeah. So before we start, I guess I have to ask right off the bat, what's up with it, Vanilla Face? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, I do podcasts. Not. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, Just two of us, a couple of pimps, no hoes. <laughs> now, Mario, how could you neglect to mention our third podcast co-host today? Of course, we are traveling with a bear right now. I don't know if you can hear that over the mic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's in the back just crapping up the back of the ice cream truck as Vic and I travel cross-country and do this podcast live. <laughs> we bring it to the people, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was telling Vic before the show I love him having on staff picks because he brings up my energy. Vic is very energetic. You have a, Like I said, you have the, the movie phone voice. Like, welcome to Movie Phone. So I have to kind of keep up with your energy. So this is going to be a lot of work for me here. Oh, no, no, no. You, you, Mar- I know Mario. I've done four-hour podcasts with Mario. You have no problem going at length. So you're, you're like a, you're a cross-country runner. I'm a sprinter. <laughs> yes. So you were built for quick speed? <laughs> yes. I'm, I cut through the air like a jackknife. <laughs> Mario, this movie is so great. I'm so excited that we get to sit here and talk about it because I feel like you know, you, you've, you've done a good job at bringing the light to some movies that people would never have known about. You know, you have to IMDb it to even make sure it's a real movie. But it, it seems like a rarer occasion when you really go for something that was a cultural behemoth. And uh, it's only been a little over 10 years since Borat came out. And yet I feel like the world has forgotten what kind of movie this was. Yeah, it's, uh, you mean, most of my audience already knows Borat. I've gotten a lot of feedback about this podcast, but there's a couple of my younger listeners are out there who are like, oh, I've never seen that before. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you are in for a treat if you've never seen <laughs> Borat before. Like, this is like a life-changing comedy in my experience. And that's not hyperbole. Like, this mm-hmm. honestly might be the hardest I have ever laughed at a movie. Yeah, it, it holds up, and uh, I always forget this, but the movie is so slight. It's only an hour and 17 minutes, not a scrap of fat on this movie's body. Yeah. Okay, um, let's delve right into this, because there, we have a lot to talk about. Vic and I were discussing before the show, we could easily do three hours on Borat because of how important a comedy it is. But I will just start off with a topic right here, Vic. In 2006, this movie came out, 
And mm-hmm. Entertainment Weekly put out an issue. I don't know if you ever saw this, where they mm-hmm. proclaimed it before it even came out. Is Borat the funniest movie ever made? And I am wow. curious how you would weigh in on that question. Well, first of all, that's a horrible idea if you want. <laughs> you shouldn't walk into anything thinking this is the greatest thing of all time, especially a comedy, because you can hold back laughter for so long. But Borat might be a good candidate because it can tickle you beyond. Is it the greatest comedy of all time? I'd say uh, I'll, I'll dodge the question and give you a different one. Mm-hmm. I think this movie takes you to the height of a mountain in film comedy that has never been tried to be scaled again. Hmm. How about that? It is it is it is the culmination of so many big ideas that were happening in movies in the 90s and the early 2000s. And then it became its own legacy. No one else could try to do it again uh, successfully. Even poor Sasha Baron Cohen has tried to do it a couple of times again uh, with, I think, you know, uh, more mixed results. But this thing is an unmitigated success. Um, is it the funniest movie of all time? Man, uh, it depends on how willing you are to like uh, to go there in comedy, because I think some people, more timid viewers, will be uncomfortable with uh, with aspects of it. And that, I think, is totally understandable. <laughs> now, what sensitive aspects could you possibly be talking about? <laughs> well, this is a comedy smorgasbord, right? It's a buffet of different options. There are there's shock comedy. There's potty comedy. There's ethnic jokes. This is a, a biting satire about america so you might walk into this and enjoy naturally one or two of those kinds but it's unlikely uh unless you have a very advanced palate like mario j lanza uh (laughs) uh, it's unlikely that you uh, are able to enjoy all of these things to the fullest but uh for me i i can enjoy the things i enjoy uh to to attend and the things that i'm like uh i'll go with because the master's uh on camera Okay, there's uh, two things I wanted to bring up specifically, and there are things you have already said about Borat off the air, and I just want to put them onto the podcast because I want to get these ideas out there. Mm-hmm. That You had told me, now, again, Vic studies the history of comedy maybe even more than I do, and you were saying when Borat came out, you thought this is like the next level of what a comedy movie can be, where it's mm-hmm. like documentary, like Andy Kaufman, Nathan Fielder, like this uh, shock comedy where you're getting real reactions from people and just filming it. Mm-hmm. And you had said you saw Borat for the first time, and there'd never been anything like this before, so aggressively like this. And then you thought there would be more movies like this in the future, and it just never happens. Like, you thought this was a next level, and then nothing ever kind of went from that level, just went back to where it was before. It's a daunting idea to undertake. You you look at the Borat Wikipedia page, you're going to see lists and lists of lawsuits that Larry Charles and Sasha Baron Cohen went through after this movie <laughs> came out. That's intimidating even for a brave comedian. Um, so, yeah, I do think there was a lot of things. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago that every big screen comedy had a script, Mario. This is not a crazy idea. You know, the there wasn't an unscripted comedy of the 80s. And then starting in the 90s, I, I would give some credit to Christopher Guest, um, to uh, Judd Apatow. These people started doing improv among people, right? Mm-hmm. Different comics are bouncing off each other, and but they are still working off of a script. They're trying to improve it, though. You know, Christopher Guest would use an outline, but you knew the scenes that were happening and you'd get magic in the confessionals. But then, uh, I don't have to tell this to you, you're a survivor historian, quite literally. Uh, reality TV broke open so many things. And I think, it, 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 you know, uh, uh, Survivor launches in 2000. The Ali G Show launches in 2000 on HBO. I think they were already seeing the possibility of doing, uh, you know, a real world style comedy. Um, that's the ultimate playset. And so, yeah, it took a couple of years for them to actually film this thing. 
But man, you have to have the cojones <laughs> to go out there. So yeah, I, I, I'm disappointed that other people haven't tried to do this on the big screen. But as you say, someone like Nathan for you, um, they, this still happens uh, on the small screen when you are maybe more small time. But man, it, you, you have to be ready for some controversy if you're going to make a movie <laughs> like Borat. Yeah, although to clear it up for people, there actually was a script. I mean, that's not 100% improvised. It's they mm -hmm. There were writers for this movie, and they basically set up scenarios that they wanted to happen. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen has even said like 80% of his dialogue was written. But all the reactions mm -hmm. from the other people are unscripted. Mm -hmm. How I view this movie is you can see clearly there are two – like there's uh, clearly scripted bookmarks, mm -hmm. right, uh, or I guess bookends uh, that start and end the film uh, when they are in the, the glorious nation of Kazakhstan itself. And those are kind of sketchy and those feel more. But when you are in the moment, I have no doubt that Sasha Baron Cohen is doing a lot of character work. If you do improv, you know that you're building up a lot of uh, what works for this character, what sounds funny out of the mouth. But you can't script the reactions he's getting from these people um, any more than you can script an interview, right? You, you can have the idea of where you want to go, but when it happens, it happens, and they're catching it on camera. Okay, and indeed, like you said, why has nobody else ever tried to do a movie like this? I think if you read anybody uh, who hasn't read the Internet Movie Database trivia page, you might not know that the cops were filmed, were called on Borat and the production team 92 different times during the production of this movie. So that is perhaps why nobody has tried a movie like this again. Oh, man. And, you know, uh, I, I envy the team that does take this on again because I feel like, you know, the world has kind of forgotten about Borat in major ways. Honestly, Sasha Baron Cohen was able to kind of do this again with his Showtime show, Who is America? People had forgotten. And, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> cops, FBI, all kinds of people are getting called in on these things. Uh, it's dangerous stuff. You love dangerous comedy. Yeah, the story behind Borat is almost as funny as the movie itself, and we'll try to get into some of that when we go into the podcast. Although, there's one other thing, Vic, that you had mentioned before, and I've been dying to get into this topic, because I think this is the, the bread and butter of any Borat podcast. So, you go out there and you read criticism of Borat, or, you know, people that like it, or people that don't like it, and you'll see a lot of extreme reactions to it. And the two you see a lot of are... Wow, Americans are such nice people. They put up with his shit for so long, and they were so patient. And then there's the other one you see. Wow, this movie exposes how horrible Americans are. And mm -hmm. it's really interesting because you once said to me why you think Borat is so interesting is because it's like an inkblot test. You get mm -hmm. out of it, and you see what you want to see. And I think that's fascinating. Do you want to talk a little more about that? Yeah, I think there's something beautiful in a character like Borat, who is openly offensive to people. He is anti-Semitic, he's racist, he's sexist, uh, uh, and yet he seems eager to learn to a certain degree. Um, I think when you watch this movie, you do see a very honest portrayal of America. And that's that can be very loaded because obviously editing plays a key factor in here. The movie we're talking about is an hour and 17 minutes long, so they're very selective with what they show. Mm -hmm. But I think it's fair to say that Borat brings out <laughs> what is lying underneath for a lot of people. And some people that is kind of like a, you know, clutching of pearls and oh, I can't believe this is happening. How embarrassing for him, almost, this, almost a British sensibility. And then the other people are, the, for me, the more interesting. Uh, I, I think of the cowboy that shows up <laughs> at the rodeo. This guy is being entrapped with his own beliefs. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, there's the old line, right? You give someone enough rope and they will hang themselves. And Borat is uh, traveling with a chicken, a Pamela Anderson book, and 40, 50 feet of rope. <laughs> That's awesome. Although you did say something there that really um, brings up another thing I wanted to talk talk about, which was how, you know, Borat is a very offensive character and he's racist and homophobic, but there's also an underlying innocence to him. And like, I, like mm-hmm. you said, that's probably why he can get away with some of the stuff he does because he seems so innocent and eager to learn that they'll they'll let him get away with his shtick for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that I wanted what I wanted to say about that is to me Borat is the movie that Andy Kaufman wishes he would have made. <laughs> yeah. And this is something Andy Kaufman is one of my comedy heroes, and I don't know if I've talked about him much on Staff Picks. I love the guy. I love everything. Like I love the idea behind what he did. But mm-hmm. I don't think most of his projects were very successful. Like, Andy Kaufman, I think, was a success more in theory most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the movie Kaufman should have done. Like, where mm-hmm. he can do Lotka, he can do that innocent thing. Because that's the thing, if you play an innocent character, you can get away with murder. And that, I think, what happens with, like, Borat was a huge hit. Bruno, I don't really like. That's for people who don't know. That's the next movie Sasha Baron Cohen did. I don't mm-hmm. like that one nearly as much as Borat because it, it loses some of that innocence, I think, that Borat had in it. Yeah, I think what's uh, what can be really compelling is uh, uh, I think there is something kind of arrogant in the sense of I want to teach you. And I think Borat brings that out of people. I think that's a very American ideal that I have so much uh, I've learned and I would love to share that with you. Where I feel like the other characters that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen plays don't have that same need to be led. And Borat is really good at if you give him... Uh, you know, a moment that people will try to share what they've picked up. And oftentimes those are really flawed and ridiculous things. Um, yeah, but I, I totally agree with you. I mean, Andy Kaufman is probably best known in story than actual, like, what is the, you know, the Andy Kaufman joint? Mm-hmm. Most people probably know him from Taxi, and that, of course, is very tame. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the one thing that Andy Kaufman did that was amazing was the wrestling stuff with Jerry Lawler, mm-hmm. which to me is like the best thing that's ever happened in pop culture. But yeah, all, <laughs> most of his other stuff didn't really work that well. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's the, the stuff with Borak going out there and just uh, just just being this foreigner, wide-eyed foreigner, telling me about America, people want to share their stories, and mm-hmm. I, we're kind of, you know, assuming most of our audience has seen Borat, and I'll just give a quick summary for those of you who haven't, who have no idea what that's... It's hard to pick up if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Borat is really like a reality TV show. It's uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, a performance artist, a uh, master of never-breaking character who had a TV show at the time, the Ali G Show, went out and had this character Borat, and the premise of the movie, he's learning about America. He wants to bring all these American cultural topics and secrets back to his native beloved Kazakhstan and really it's just him fucking with people <laughs> that's really the whole movie and it's the, the movie is just a series of little vignettes of people being taken in by his shtick and him drawing them into the most ridiculous situations and really that's it that's it's not even a movie as much as a collection of little sketches Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they create a, you know, a through line for the road trip, right? That's where you get the plot of this thing. And, and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's, uh, you know, uber goal is to marry uh, a CJ from Baywatch, <laughs> yeah. played by Pamela Anderson. And, uh, of course, 
uh, spoiler alert, he does catch her in a bag by the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get into this as we go through the podcast, how much of this movie was scripted, how much was improvised. Like, Pamela Anderson was obviously in on the movie. You can't just abduct her on screen and film it. <laughs> like, But there's lots of other stuff. It's, it's a very fine line whether what's happening is real and what's not. And, like, your jaw will drop the first time you see Borat if you never have. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, when people are saying this was the funniest movie ever, it may be, it may not be, but... Within the first 15 minutes, you'll be laughing so hard. It almost hurts. Like, it's mm -hmm. one of the most painful comedies I can think of because I have to stop. It's like I have to, I need a breather. Yeah. I mean, what was so great about this when it came out, I remember I was in, oh, God, I, I was I was in, you know, junior high or something like this. So it was hard for me to even see it in theaters. But I had, like, a friend's dad that brought me <laughs> to see it. But it was like uh, you had to go behind the closed curtain because so much of the marketing couldn't tell you what was in the movie. <laughs> the big thing you got was the things that became catchphrases like, uh, high five, uh, you know, those are the things that could be aired on television in trailers. And, of course, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen had one of the greatest marketing campaigns ever where he just was Borat for months and months <laughs> at different events, and he was making the news <laughs> in character. Uh, yeah, I, I, something I just read on Internet Movie and the IMDb Trivia that – when I, so when I say that Sasha Baron Conan does not break character, like, I'm not exaggerating. Like we said, this movie, they uh, the cops were called on them 92 different times because they were causing a disturbance. At one point, they had the FBI and Secret Service following them because it was a suspicious Middle Eastern man crossing the country in an ice cream truck. And here's my favorite thing I read on the IMDb trivia. Even when he was interviewed by the FBI, Sasha Baron Conan would not break character. He was still bored out when the Secret Service is talking to him. Yeah, see, that's that's what we're talking about, bravery and satire. Most comics do not have the stones to pull that off. And, and we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't sleep on uh, Borat's partner, uh, played by uh, his name. The actor's name is Ken Davilton, uh, but he, a Azimat, Azimat. Azimat is a, what a great foil, this, you know, four foot eight, <laughs> you know, large man, uh, the classic comedy of skinny and fat. Uh, but this guy... Also, I think uh, very brave because you have to think that he's probably doing a lot of the person to person uh -huh. before they meet Borat. And that is going to be it could be very tricky there. <laughs> um, it, it's honestly I say this in, in you know, in, in the most serious of ways. It's honestly great that they were not like killed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it could be very dangerous. I mean, they're going up to the White House in the middle of the night like that is <laughs> that's where it gets scary. And man, uh, I just my hat is off because I, I love comedy to death. And I don't know if I could do some of these things. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, they had such balls to do this movie. And yeah, Baron Cohen was almost killed a couple times. I know there's one scene at a rodeo in the movie for people mm -hmm. who've never seen this movie. Like, he comes within about five minutes of being shot, Sasha Baron Cohen, because yeah. he's making fun of the national anthem at a rodeo in the southern, like, at uh, I forget mm -hmm. where. But yeah, and like, he almost caused a riot. And they just keep it in the movie. And it's the actual footage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every day they got was a gift. Before we get into this, the Ali G show, I will say I've never actually seen the Ali G show. I never I never knew Sasha Baron Cohen before I saw Borat. So I, I went into it fresh, like people were saying how funny it was and I wandered into it. And that's all I knew. Do you know his TV background? Can you give us a little history on that? It's a wonderful thing. I, I think the success of Borat is directly related to how poorly HBO markets its comedies. 
Uh, you know, some of the greatest comedies ever were made in the 90s and early 2000s on HBO, but nobody saw these things. So, yeah, the, the Ali G show um, basically was it was a sketch show that was primarily focused on uh, one of Sasha Baron Cohen's characters, kind of like a, he's a British rapper uh, with very little talent trying to break into, you know, media hosting, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be a celebrity because I'm a celebrity. Uh, and then he would have these occasional sketches, cutaways to uh, Borat and Bruno. And they would be, you know, it was the same kind of idea, just on a smaller scale. I think the biggest success that a lot of people had heard of before this, it kind of made, uh, you know, some think pieces before uh, people realized it was kind of a gag. But uh, Borat went to a, uh, I think he was in Georgia, but he's singing a, uh, you know, at an open mic, a very controversial song about in his country, there is problem and the problem is the Jew. And uh, by the end of this little minute, uh, you know, uh, sketch, the song was so simple and catchy that the entire open mic club starts singing along with it. And that's the footage that really gets people rallied up um, this idea. Yeah. So uh, it, it was definitely the same principle, just on a smaller scale and without any of the auxiliary characters. It was just Borat and a camera crew. OK, good. OK. Yeah. So that's a little background. That's that's a show I've always been meaning to go back and watch. I just had never seen it. But again, I didn't like Bruno, so I'm not 100 percent sure I'm going to like it without Borat. But I don't know. That's my own issue. I'll, I'll deal with that someday. There's not many episodes, thankfully. There's only 18 episodes of the Ali G show. And uh, yeah, it is. It's hit or miss like any sketch show, but certainly worth watching if you want to see how how a great film like this came from humble beginnings. <laughs> yes. Okay, before we delve into the plot, and uh, I'm just telling you right now, I'm warning people, this podcast is going to be a giggle fest. That's all it is, <laughs> us, us doing Borat impressions and giggling over our favorite lines. But I will say that I have raised my kids to, I, I've shown them over the years, all the formative comedies, all the ones I think they should know. And my daughter is really good with horror movies and dramas, but I cannot sell her on comedies. These are the comedies from my childhood are the hardest thing to sell to a younger kid. And she has said before, that's because just most comedies aren't funny. And so this has been a, a issue for years. I cannot sell my daughter on comedy. She thinks they're all stupid. So, except there's one. There's one movie she thinks is the funniest thing ever. And you can probably guess we're talking about our movie here, Borat. Wow. My daughter has always wondered, how do people not think that's the greatest movie ever? Like, she's like, is that underrated? I told her we were doing it on staff pick. She's like, is that really underloved? And I'm like, it really is compared to how good it is and what its reputation is these days. People forget how funny it was. But again, mm -hmm. this is the one comedy my daughter will say, that's actually funny. That was really funny. Yeah, Mara, your kids give me hope for the future because I I know I work with a lot of uh, comedians and people do not remember Borat as being uh, a brilliant, you know, a breakthrough comedy. People remember the meany parts of it, you know, the, the, the catchphrases and the gags, the least cutting or, you know, uh, deep uh, elements of it. So uh, you're raising them right, Mario. I, I hope college g kids all across America still appreciate what Borat was. Yes, although I will add a little asterisk there that when we showed this movie to our eight-year-old daughter, we had to cut out the entire naked wrestling scene. <laughs> it's a, so a five-minute movie. Yes, my little princess is not watching Borat and Azamat Bagatov with their dongs in each other's faces. <laughs> Blurred as they are. <laughs> yes. All right, so here we go. We're going into the official walkthrough of Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Oh, what a, 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 a title that plays with the idea of translation. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's just, it's to be appreciated. Uh, I, I didn't learn a lot of things from my undergrad in playwriting and dramaturgy. But I'll tell you one thing I did learn. The word mimesis. 
the idea of a mimetic, a mimetic experience is uh, exactly what Borat provides you because every element is played for authenticity. Uh, if you don't know anything. And then when you learn that you realize, oh, n none of this is in the Kazakh language. This is like you know, <laughs> Yiddish and Russian. Yes. But the idea is it looks authentic, and that's so appreciated. Yeah, I remember all the Kazakh viewers in the theater were angry about that at the time. There's hundreds and hundreds of Kazakhs in every theater in America were outraged that that's not actually our language. Well, the Kazakh riots, of course. We lost hundreds. Exactly. Yeah, it was a dark time. It was the, the darkest timeline. <laughs> so we open the movie and this is one of the few things that's scripted where we meet borat in his village and what what is his last name i always forget how to pronounce it uh you know if you watch the movie you're never going to hear anyone say it that's the problem is everyone's like uh saga daga saga um i do believe that borat is pronounced uh man i'm gonna butcher it uh <laughs> We need to get somebody who's an expert in Russian and Yiddish in here. Oh, yeah, I got some staffers here. I got a lot of Russian staffers here. They'll help us out. Oh, staffer picks. <laughs> the people that work for you. Yes. So, yes, Borat Sagdiev, I believe that would be how one might pronounce it. I don't know. <laughs> no one would ever say it with our voices. So we meet Borat in his village in, in Kazakhstan, which, as we learn, there's a couple significant things about this tiny country that my wife is like, I'd never even heard of Kazakhstan until Borat. So I guess he kind of put it on the map. Quite literally, yes. <laughs> uh, potassium, that is a big thing in the village or, or the town in the country. They they are the number one exporter of superior potassium. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> cleanest prostitutes in the region. Yeah, the cleanest prostitutes, that's big. And they, they hate Uzbekistan. They hate the Uzbeks. The asshole is Uzbekistan. <laughs> and this, of course, is where the movie does get into trouble. They also have three problems in, in Kazakhstan. And what are they? They are... Uh, Economic, social, and Jew. <laughs> yes, um, and uh, this is—I think this is a very bold choice to make uh, to make Borat from a real country. I think it'd be much safer to make it, you know, um, I try to, you know, uh, Jerkistan. You know, it could be so much simpler if you chose to personify a fictional people. But no, we've decided that the Kazakhs hate the Jews. <laughs> And this seems to be more arbitrary than you might expect. I mean, I think there's a big part that Sasha Baron Cohen is Jewish, so he feels, you know, a certain ability to mock that specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, that area of uh, <laughs> Eurasia is more anti-Semitic than, the, you know, than Uzbekistan. Yeah, and again, I, I don't know if that gets mentioned enough when talking about Borat, that Sasha Baron Cohen is indeed Jewish himself. So he can get away with a lot of the jokes. And, and again, I'm not o overestimating this there's a lot of jewish jokes in this i mean way beyond what you'd see in most shows like hatching of the jew egg where the children beat the baby jew like are you kidding me <laughs> it's the money that comes with these jokes i mean these are not just you know off the wall uh you know anti-semitic jabs this is full-on set pieces <laughs> yes the parade oh my god all right so yeah so what else is going here we live in the starting the village of kusik in, in kazakhstan mm -hmm. and there's pigs and what donkeys and villagers and we learn we meet the town rapist who mm -hmm. borat ad admonishes with the dread cry naughty naughty oh <laughs> uh, we're so close to you'll never get this um <laughs> yes uh we also see borat introduce us to his family including mm, after a big long kiss his sister <laughs> so incest that's on the table. Four. Number four prostitute in all of Kazakhstan. Look, uh, I want to meet one through three. <laughs> That's true. And then we mean his neighbor. And I can never remember his neighbor's name, but they apparently have been having a feud for years. 
And mm-hmm. one of, it's because one of them has glass and window, and the other one had to get glass and window. And then Borat has a clock radio, and the other guy doesn't. So that's like the height of of uh, <laughs> status symbol in Kazakhstan: the clock radio. I love that in this in this universe, uh, you know, Borat is the Homer Simpson, and this asshole is Flanders, <laughs> and everybody hates their neighbor. You know, it shows how similar we all are. It's just like the Flintstones. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Hey, Betty Rubble, she's number four prostitute in all of Bedrock. Hey, you Borat, you want to go take the bowling? <laughs> okay, and here what I, here's what I love. Like, I know this movie inside and out, but I hadn't watched it in, like, five years. So I was watching mm-hmm. it today doing research, and I forgot that there's a whole subplot that one of Borat's hobbies is traveling to the city to watch ladies make toilet. <laughs> That's his hobby. He does bathroom shots. <laughs> Look, it's it's like a one-off moment, uh, but it it does tell you a lot about Borat the man. Yes. Uh, not not in, and of course, but he has a wife. Uh, I I kind of forget that element. Of course, she she does not last very long, but she is she's like literally like a human form of Bluto from Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna destroy Borat. Bluto. <laughs> we haven't had a good Bluto reference on staff picks recently. <laughs> Happy to bring it. So yeah, so Borat is a TV reporter in this little village, and because there's so many problems in Kazakhstan, namely Jew, that he is he wants to go to America to learn American cultures and customs and bring some of them back here, and that's the whole premise of the movie. <laughs> Can we pause on that for a second? I appreciate so much that Borat is a TV reporter because that means he is the most media trained person in this general area, and even like so the amount the amount of faux pas he has, uh, compare that to anybody else you talk to for the same amount of time and these people would be dead <laughs> okay so here we go so as as borat is leaving his village he's dragged off in like a car dra- or pulled by donkeys which i love <laughs> <laughs> that is a flintstones gag i mean come on that is very that's very classic innocent comedy we can all appreciate car pulled by horse yes. and then of course with the innocence of that joke comes him telling the town rapist remember when i'm gone not too much raping humans only <laughs> how many of these jokes do you think are done in voiceover i feel like there's some moments that they just kind of goose it uh, oh, yeah. and that, that's one of those good ones oh absolutely there's that's one thing when you watch this movie is watch at the end of every scene there's a voiceover of Borat being dragged off by the cops and it's always a voiceover but it's like the best line in the scene and you'll see that over and over and I point these out it's brilliant no I just love it so Borat and his producer Azamat Bagatov fly off to America to learn about the Americans and where the first place they go is what New York and this mm-hmm. really yeah. from here on out every most of this movie is actual footage and it's like a documentary of just Sasha Baron Conan in character just messing with people in public and getting their reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, a great a great tell of this is obviously the stuff that's set in Kazakhstan is shot on glorious, the best they can get cameras. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this hidden camera stuff, you can obviously see the quality change on the subway and in the cars. You see these are, you know, not GoPros, but pretty close. And I really appreciate that. Even if that was, uh, you know, unnecessary, even if they could have gotten the best cameras, I enjoy that it looks a little, you know, a little grainier. <laughs> and I should point out that not only does Borat hate the Jews, he will hate homosexuals as well, although he does many homosexual things in the movie, oddly enough, even though he claims to hate homosexuals. But he also hates the gypsies. And for some reason, this is the plot line that always kills me, that he's terrified <laughs> of gypsies. They're going to ca- cast a spell on him and shrink him. And so when he comes to New York, literally the only thing he brings with him is a jar of gypsy tears to protect him from AIDS. 
<laughs> I like the idea that they just got like the information about AIDS in Kazakhstan, even though for the rest of the world it was the 80s. Yeah. This is like a new phenomenon for the people of Kazakhstan. <laughs> it's the gypsy curse. They've brought it onto us. Yeah. Is there something funnier about that? Because uh, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the world. But uh, are there many gypsies? Is gypsy a gypsy is an occupation, right? These are the people that are travelers and they play music. They're not a race of people, correct? I think it is a race. And I think we're being horribly offensive. I think it's one of those words you're not supposed to say anymore because it's like, oh, yeah. So we're, we know we're changing hearts and minds here while making gratuitous gypsy jokes. <laughs> Put that on my inkblot. I, I wasn't fully aware. I mean, you know, uh, I won't say it anymore now. I feel like the G word. My God. Uh, that's in the hunchback for Notre Dame. Uh, but yes. Anyway, uh, it, it, I think it's easier to tackle the gypsies because I feel like there's a lot less of the, you know, the, the big gypsy lobby that will come <laughs> after you as the other, you know, minorities that Borat pounces on did. Yes. The gypsy lobby. <laughs> big gypsy. The first big group to protest staff picks. The gypsy lobby is coming after us. <laughs> I'm going to get a fucking curse put on me, and I'm going to get all thin. It's going to suck. Well, we'll get some tears out of it, and you'll be just fine. That's right. Okay, so, yeah, we have this, this scene of Borat on the New York subway, where he decides he's going to introduce himself to every stranger on the subway. And this is just one of those glorious examples of what Borat is, is just Sasha Baron Conan just messing with New Yorkers and trying to kiss all the men on the cheek, to the point that they start threatening to pop him in the mouth. Have you ever lived in New York, Mario? I have actually not lived in New York, Vic. Have you? <laughs> I've spent a little bit of time there. I lived there for a summer. Um, and, uh, you know, as somebody rode the subway, every day is an adventure. <laughs> so while this may seem as outlandish as possible, I, I guarantee you, I saw crazier things in a summer than Borat did here. <laughs> the big the big gift that keeps on giving is the chicken. <laughs> to get a live animal on a subway car, that's special. Yeah. Again, another joke that a lot of people might not remember from this movie, Borat is traveling the country with a suitcase filled with a, a live chicken and from time to time the suitcase will pop open and the chicken will just run around and again i've said this before there's almost nothing funnier than a chicken running because they have no arms and it's just really funny to watch so a live chicken going scamping around on a new york subway while everyone's screaming is just it's it's in this movie and it's a real shot it really happened and i just i love just watching stuff like that it's just chaos being filmed for a movie and to show how graceful Sasha Baron Cohen is, he never really biffs it chasing this chicken. He's always kind of graceful. He's like a dancer. I mean, uh, this is an underappreciated skill in comedy. Yeah, and we do learn that Borat is a disco dancer, so that makes sense. <laughs> and a thong model. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is that um, one of the, again, another reason why this movie was never really made after a type of movie like this never came out is because there were so many lawsuits that came out because of this movie. And this oh, subway scene is a great example because the production team had to get release uh, release signatures for every single person on that subway. And I think they failed to do that. So a lot of the people were suing like I'm in a movie and I didn't agree to be in this. And that's the kind of stuff that they really had to work around. Yeah, maybe that's a good way we can track through this movie is each time something happens, we talk about the pursuing lawsuit that came after. <laughs> and this is just one of the minor lawsuits. Wait until we get to the big ones. Yeah, so uh, just for the record, according to Wikipedia, and I, I, I believe my sources here, Felix Sedano, uh, a 31-year-old American, sued for $2.5 million, and uh, he got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think I read that almost all the lawsuits resulted in nothing. Like, mm -hmm. there were so many, and nobody got anything off this movie. Anything, I mean, there was maybe a couple minor payouts, but nothing big. Which is kind of crazy, because I think it's very clear that the team behind Borat did not do this right. 
they need to get these releases. They need to do all this stuff that they didn't do. Well, it's funny because I read that they actually had a traveling lawyer who went with them the entire way because they were anticipating issues, and they still forgot to get releases for everybody. (laughs) Well, in some instances, I don't know if we're there yet, but people literally running away from Borat on the street, it's hard to get them to sign the paper. (laughs) Yeah, you got to run faster than them to catch up with the release. (laughs) (laughs) you got to have the lawyer car just off the side of every street Borat's on. Yeah. All right, yeah, so we have lots of little fun in New York of Borat just showing up and causing chaos. And his favorite thing, of course, is the Kazakhstan custom that every man must be kissed th- th- three times on the cheek and then on the lips as well. And, yeah, New Yorkers want none of this. <laughs> and there's scene after scene of, of Sasha Baron Cohen just chasing New Yorkers, trying to kiss them, and they're running away from him. And it's just <laughs> hilarious. I never get tired of that. Uh, yes. I mean, this it's funny that in a, a Petri dish like New York, people are still so, so uncomfortable. Uh, you're, you're so close to other people. And yet, uh, you know, Borat just tries to show a little affection. He wants to welcome himself to the neighborhood. And uh, sadly, there is no New York welcome committee. Yeah. Although I should point out that some of Borat proposing affection to people is generally him propositioning women walking by and asking how much they cost for the night, uh, which is uh... maybe not <laughs> quite the way to approach people in New York City. Look, he tried to take care of himself. He went to the Victoria's Secret store, and he just started pleasuring himself on the street. Uh, and that was frowned upon, too. You know, America, you're very confusing. Yeah. And that's another scene a lot of people might have forgotten if you haven't seen this movie. of Sasha Baron Cohen literally, like, he's jerking off under his pants in public, and they're filming all these strangers walking by us. <laughs> Like, again, we're four minutes into the movie here, and I'm just dying at something. Like, how did he have the balls to do this stuff in public? But it's going to get way worse. (laughs) I always imagine the person that comes in with the popcorn a little bit late, and they just walk in starting there. No context. (laughs) Just, oh, God, this is that kind of movie, huh? (laughs) Oh, all right, and I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the scene. Borat checks into a hotel in New York, mm-hmm. and he tries to negotiate for the price. And then there's a great scene where the, uh, the, the what's the guy? The, the porter is trying to lead him to his room, and they go into the elevator, and Borat thinks the elevator is his hotel room. I will not move to a room smaller than this. No, thank you. <laughs> he starts unpacking his stuff in the elevator, which is great, because it's like the third uh, most awkward elevator scene in this movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the idea of bartering for your room i love that this movie has not only like the shocking amazing stuff that none of us get away with but i love that like there's a little bit of the seinfeldian nature here right like don't you ever wish you could haggle for your uh, for your order i think people should do that more <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay that kind of leads into a story that i gotta tell this kind of you know ties into my real life but my dad used to teach my brother and i that when we were kids <laughs> He's like, you know, when you see something in the store, that's just a suggestion. Go up there and tell them what you're going to pay for it instead. (laughs) Garage sale rules. (laughs) Yeah. He told my brother this, who's now a federal judge. He told my brother, he's like, go into a baseball memorabilia store. If there's something you want, offer him a lower price and see what he says. (laughs) So my brother goes into a baseball memorabilia store. He's like 10. And he's like, yeah, I want this autographed Mickey Mantle picture. You're offering it for 100. I'll give you 60. And the owner's like, get the fuck out of my store, you little shit. It's 100 bucks. So my brother was traumatized because of my dad's poor advice. <laughs> it's amazing that they yell at a 10-year-old, but Borat kind of gets away with it here. Yeah. So anyway, that's our lesson. The negotiation skills of Borat, perhaps don't do that. <laughs> uh, so we get to the hotel room, right? And uh, this is where we introduce our, our lovely lady. 
Oh no, she she comes up later. Pamela, Pamela. Yeah, don't Pamela. worry. We have to do we have to do American humor lessons first, Vic. Oh yes. Now this is probably the most famous. I think this is maybe the most famous scene from Borat. The most enduring, at least at the time. Yeah, this is the one. It's. I'm not sure what my favorite scene in this movie is. There's about five I have to pick between, and that's that's impressive because most movies it's usually obvious what the funniest scene is. I'd probably say the uh, formal dinner at the Southern Mansion is my favorite, but mm -hmm. this humor one, this I defy anyone to get through this scene and not laugh. That's the thing. It's <laughs> I actually heard someone the other day say, yeah, my wife and I got half an hour through Borat and we didn't laugh, so we turned it off. I'm like, you got through this scene, the humor lessons, and you didn't laugh? How is that possible? <laughs> Uh, I think this is very brave, too, because there's very, there's very much like a fear of the inside baseball, I think, in comedies, that mm -hmm. if you talk about it too much, you can destroy it, right? You're dissecting mm -hmm. the frog can kill it. Uh, but I think this is a very obvious and perfect choice. Let's teach, let's have clearly the most humorless man in New York City uh, teach this professional comedian about comedy. And uh, I wish I had a picture of the, the board behind the man. All the ideas that he wants to touch upon in his brief seminar, uh, this is what corporate comedy does to people. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's get into this for a second. In 2005, when they taped this movie, not jokes were apparently the height of humor. I don't remember not jokes being a big deal at that point. <laughs> well, that's the idea. This was big when this man was a kid, <laughs> this, this humor teacher. Uh, a not joke, Jesus. I mean, I, you know, say what you will about Borat. Borat made not jokes a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wayne's World. I think not jokes were popular for about a year because of Wayne's World. And always ironically. <laughs> yeah, and then 15 years later, now they're being referenced as how you teach people comedy. <laughs> So, yeah. So, again, for people who have never seen this, and, again, just stop listening to this and go watch doing? this movie. It's crazy. So, yeah, Borat sits down with an American humor coach who tries to teach him what's funny in America. And so Borat's first line is, can I tell mother-in-law jokes? And the guy's like, yes, I think that would be very funny in America. And Borat's like, I have sexy time with my mother-in-law. <laughs> the guy's like, well, that's not a joke. That's the, you're just having sex with him, but that's not. So it's them haggling over if that's funny or not. I have to say, uh, Borat's right here. Very funny. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, if, if I could have, you know, this is a good question. I won't actually give mine away yet. But if there was one scene from the movie Borat that you could get, like, the unedited footage from, what would it be? Uh, th this one is a candidate in my mind because, man, I all want to hear this guy's lessons on slapstick and the idea of slaps literally are funny, <laughs> like the Animaniacs. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, th I mean, this would be an excellent scene. Again, this or the Southern Mansion. Those are the two I always come back to. Mm. But I will say there's <laughs> – I actually have this as my Facebook quote, and I'm kind of embarrassed of this, but you could put a little quote that summers summarizes yourself. I have the whole entire speech about Bilo and retardation and vagine. That's my quote. Look at my Facebook page someday. <laughs> That's very bold. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's there's a, the scene that really just makes me laugh when uh, Borat's like, well – in America, can you make joke about people with retardation? And the guy's like, no, that would not be funny in America. And Brad's like, oh, what if it's a really funny retardation? And he does this little face that always makes me laugh, like his idea of the funniest retardation possible. <laughs> it's the strength he shows. His hands do like a, a retardation. Oh, it's, yes, it's very rich. He really sells it. And then he launches into the story about his retarded cousin, Bilo, who once broke out of his cage and raped his sister. <laughs> like, what the fuck are we listening to? 
<laughs> See, this is where I question. You know, uh, we say there's a script, but you have to know that he's digging, digging, digging. He knows his history, but I think he is making a lot of this up in real time because he's trying stuff out on the guy to see how far he can push. It's little <laughs> markers in the sand. Let's push for the real, like, if you can stand this, then this guy is never walking away. <laughs> yeah. One time my cousin break out of his cage and he gets the vagine. High five. <laughs> he get this. <laughs> <laughs> Although, one thing my wife pointed out, we were watching just the other day. Uh, uh, sorry, Mario, Mario, take it back. Uh, uh, who was this person that pointed it out? My wife. Uh, my uh, wife. I... Oh, I'm sorry. I did not do the proper Borat impression. Yes. Please. <laughs> my wife. My <laughs> wife had noticed that. One thing that Sasha Baron Cohen is really good at, and if you watch, the more times you watch this movie, pay attention to this. Everything he says is like a question. He will, he encourages the other person to contribute to the discussion. So it's not, he doesn't say something funny. It's normally a question like, would this be funny? Can I do this? So it's, it's very subtle what he does, but I just want to point it out that Diana mentioned, noticed that, that he yes. really encourages the other people to go into his web of chaos. I mean, this is kind of a classic improv technique. We're going down together, right? We are going <laughs> to, if we're going to say this, we're going to say it at the same time. It's a way of deflecting uh, <laughs> blame, and uh, you can obviously share credit if it goes well. Yes, although now we have to get to the not jokes themselves, which, mm -hmm. as you said, may be the most quotable part of this entire movie. Although, again, that's tough to pick the most quotable Borat quote. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are the most quotable. Not. Not. <laughs> yes, so he's trying to teach Borat the, the apex of comedy in 2005, the not joke. And Borat just cannot do it because Baron Cohen will screw up the timing every time. And so the guy's like, well, this is the suit. You have a gray suit on. And what would be funny in America is to say, this suit is black. Not. And it's funny just that Borat will mess with him because Borat will screw up the timing. Like, this yes. suit is black, not. <laughs> this suit is not black. <laughs> the one that you know is coming where this suit is black. And he just pauses and it goes on for like 30 seconds. The other guy starts talking and then Borat goes, not. not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think, that, you know, this guy, you know, thank God for a humorless man like this humor coach, because he plays into every one of these like a fiddle. I mean, I, I think he'd, I think he'd agree if he saw the footage, he'd agree that the timing was great. Vaudevillian in its execution, because he had to start saying, no, no, you have to say not before it actually works. It just, you know, it's the things you couldn't plan uh, that, that works so well. Yeah, although I know he came out after the movie was released and said, oh, I was in on it. I knew it was a gag, so I was playing along. So the humor coach himself, at least, has tried to back away from the fact that he was getting played. He's like, I was just going along with it. I knew it was a shtick. <laughs> Should we go to the lawsuit section? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How much did this guy sue for? <laughs> All right, well, you're going to the lawsuit section. I will say one of the things I forgot about this movie is that Borat has one of the all-time great callback jokes in it, and I completely forgot about it is that we have this whole section here with the not joke where he cannot figure out the timing. And the very last scene of the movie is him trying to abduct Pamela Anderson. And she runs away from him and he's like, Pamela, Pamela, I do not find you attractive anymore. Not. <laughs> so a wonderful capper where he actually gets it right at the end of the movie. Yes, I, I think that's very important in a film because it shows that he learns something. <laughs> he learns. That's that's all we want for Borat. We want for him to learn and progress. Hugging and learning. This is essentially an episode of Full House. <laughs> yes, it's just like that. Um, I'm proud to report the, the humor coach did not successfully or attempt to sue the production. So he's one of the rare people that participated in Borat, signed the release, and was satisfied with that being the end of their relationship. All right, excellent. So this lawsuit is happening. Not... <laughs> 
All right. So, and this is where we meet our dream girl of the movie. And again, we're like 15 minutes into the movie. And I already have a whole page of notes I've gone through. But this is where he meets his dream girl that is Borat is in America. And uh, he sees a rerun of Baywatch on TV and he falls in love with Pamela Anderson. And now his entire mission changes. And this is where parts of the movie being scripted come in, where now it's instead of just seeing American culture and, and customs, He's going to travel the country to L.A. because he wants to go meet Pamela, his dream wife. <laughs> uh, this is this is a great use. Uh, I, I always complain that characters in movies and TV don't ever watch TV. And uh, that has always kind of gotten under my craw. But this is a great use of not only is this character going to watch TV, but he wants to be in the TV with the person. <laughs> um, he's not only in love with Pamela Anderson, Pamela Anderson, but he's in love with her from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Baywatch was hardly the top most topical tv show in 2005 that was like 15 years old by this point <laughs> which means it should have just been getting to kazakhstan <laughs> yes. so yes he loves pamela he falls in love with her because quote unquote she has the asshole of a seven-year-old <laughs> very important in a mate yeah <laughs> i'd forgotten that quote again so many little lines i just forget throwaway stuff so all right, so Borat is now going to finish his stuff in New York and go over to the West Coast to meet Pamela and make her his wife. But first, Vic, he has to meet up with a feminist group. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is, uh, you know, let's throw darts at the dartboard. Let's see if he can get these people worked up. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I remember the first time. Again, if people don't like awkward comedy if you can't handle the office or nathan for you this is the scene that's like the most awkward in the movie but i just love it because it's so deliciously horrible to watch where he goes to a feminist group and he basically i don't know how could i possibly sell this to someone who's never seen this one before vic <laughs> yeah you're doing great pussycat <laughs> Look, to the credit of these feminists, I'd say maybe one for sure, maybe two of the three of them are kind of in on that this is a gag. This guy can't be for real. But it only takes one of the feminists to make them all look like they're humorless. <laughs> and I love the uh, the opening to this. And again, this movie is just so blunt. These lines come out of nowhere. And this is the introduction to the feminists of America, where Borat says... In Kazakhstan, it's illegal for five women to be in the same place, except for brothel or grave. <laughs> oh, mass grave joke. That gets me in the good place. <laughs> My God. <laughs> and then the yeah, the women are all sitting around, and, and Borat's like, what is this feminism? What does it mean? And the women are saying, well, it means that women should be equal to men. And Borat is like cracking up, like right in their face. They're like, why are you smiling? And he's like, well, should women be educated? And they're like, well, yes, of course. It's very important for women to be educated. And this is the line that kills me. Is it not a problem that women have a smaller brain? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, this is, you know, straight out of the Kaufman playbook, right? I mean, these, oh, are, yeah. these are verbatim quotes, essentially. Yeah. Our scientists have studied women brain. It is size of squirrel. <laughs> like, he's saying this to the veteran feminist of America. Like, I'm surprised he was not stabbed. I'm mm. amazed he got out of this scene alive. <laughs> well, so it's great that he gives the opportunity to uh, the people that he is going to be mocking throughout the film, because this is the last time that Borat is, uh, you know, a sexist pig. Um, but these people are given an essential, you know, a chance to respond. Uh, and uh, uh, this is at least the opportunity of both sides being displayed. 
Although the uh, the more underrated part of the scene, the, you know, the part that's more subtle, that he starts talking about Pamela Anderson, my dream woman. Do you know how I meet? And if there's anything the feminists of America in 2000 want to talk about, it's how amazing Pamela Anderson is. <laughs> uh, I love the woman that says, oh, he's going to go find her. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically like encouraging, like, oh, watch out, Pamela. <laughs> Borat's a coming. <laughs> yeah, might want to hire some security. <laughs> uh, Borat could have been a horror film. We really could have edited this thing an entirely different way. <laughs> I come for you, Pamela. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's a little too casual with the rape jokes. It would not do well today. I'm just, I don't think I'm saying anything out of uh, school here. This This movie would... It would have a hard time coming out in 2019. That's all I'm saying. Look, this movie is brilliant, and it's aging like milk. I'm amazed your daughter likes it. Uh, <laughs> I know your daughter's children won't. <laughs> you know, my daughter, my kid has a good sense of humor. I'm very proud of that. We raised her well. Comedy, if the, the laugh comes above everything else. Nothing else matters but the laugh, so I'm very proud of that. That's a Lanza family crest right there. That's right. My wife, she signed off on that, too. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, so the move, the crux of the movie is they're going to leave New York and they're going to go to California and he talks uh, Asimov into driving across the country. And then this is where we learn that Borat's wife died, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's in the hotel. Uh, this is a great, a great moment. This, this poor courier is here simply to deliver the letter. I'm sure he is not usually demanded to have it read. Uh, but he actually like, uh, uh, your wife is dead. And he, uh, excuse me? And he dutifully does not run away or hand him the thing cowardly. He goes back over and says, I'm... I'm I'm sorry to report that your wife is dead, and there's a pregnant pause, and then high five, yeah! Oh, oh God, it's one of the great, uh, you know, breathe and release. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so so Borat and Azamat have to drive across the country because they don't want to fly in case the Jews repeat the attack of 9-11, which, <laughs> another throwaway line I completely forgot was in this movie, like, good Lord. <laughs> Yes. I mean, that is, that, that, again, go back to Mimesis. This is exactly what you would expect, because the idea is the Kazakh people edited this thing. <laughs> so, of course, that, that's the general belief of the country. <laughs> oh, God. I love that they're arguing in the Starbucks, too. You can see people, like, watching these. They're, they're like, um, you know, every great character, you can see them in silhouette. Azamat and Borat are very distinguishable. Oh, God, they're, it's, it's, you know, it's improv anywhere. It's beautiful. All right, so now we come to the scene that my wife says is probably, my wife says is her favorite in the movie with Mike, the driving instructor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. This is brilliant. Oh, man, I, I love this guy. And this is what my wife says. Like, these people are so nice to him. They're patient. Like, he's just messing with him, but they'll do their best to try to help him. And Mike is her favorite. So, uh, <laughs> well, so what happened? So, uh, Borat has to drive across the country, so he goes to a real driving instructor, and now we just get an improv- improvisational scene of, of Sasha Baron Conan with some middle America driving instructor. And what <laughs> happens? Borat kisses him on the cheek first, mm-hmm. and Mike's like, well, I don't, we don't do that, but okay, whatever, I guess. <laughs> His voice is something out of a comic conceit. Like, he is such a straight man, uh, no pun intended, that is, it's, it's glorious. He, he's, he is the perfect foil for Borat. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I may need your help on this one, Nick. There's a couple words in this movie I don't quite get. Perhaps I'll draw you into a conversation that will not be awkward at all. Where the driving instructor is telling Borat to drive with two hands on the wheel at all times. And Borat's like, two hands? I can't put two hands up here because then it looks like a gypsy is eating my... And there's a word for penis, he says in there. Or, or something. What is what is that word? Crumb or something? I heard... I heard anus. That's what, that's what I heard. Oh, no, it's not anus. It's crumb or something like that. 
you know, we have to go. That's the thing. Uh, this thing was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. So that means the screenplay for Borat is out there. If we could check the transcript, we probably could figure out exactly what, uh, you know, made-up word Borat is pretending to say here. And also, is this a problem among Gypsy Nation? Are Gypsy routinely giving oral sex while people are driving? Is that a thing? Look, uh, the gypsies have to get around. Unless they have, like, the, the classic wagons, I imagine there's a lot of rules of the road going on, Mario. <laughs> a lot of paying and services, I guess. That's how that's how Lyft works in Kazakhstan. <laughs> I can take three gypsies and no more at one time. I'm sorry. Ride-sharing has totally different meaning here. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Of course, the cars are pulled by horse in Kazakhstan, so it's a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting very. It's a longer ride. Yeah, you got to pay per hour. Okay, never mind. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, there's a scene here where where Borat is driving on U.S. roads, and he's like literally, really driving on these roads, and there just says a, fi a cameraman filming them, and Borat's like, "Hey, look, there's a woman, a sexy woman. Let's follow her and make sexy time." And then Mike, the responsible driving instructor, is like, "Well, you can't just follow women and rape them, America." And Borat's like, what? <laughs> Mike's like, no, in America we have consent. Again, Mike is the voice of reason, and he's trying so hard. He's like, we have consent. That's a good thing. Women have choice in who they have sex with. That's good. And Borat's like, it's not good for me. Not good for me. <laughs> what an ad lib. What an ad lib that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like, you can't, Mike is not setting you up for any joke. So every laugh that has gotten here is earned. And that is what is so beautiful. Um, now, have we gotten to the part where uh, Borat wants to make uh, Mike his boyfriend? No, that's the next line, yeah. To explain that one. My wife likes that one. And she goes, that's so cute. Mike actually goes along with it. <laughs> I like you. I would like to make you my boyfriend. And Mike is going to, you know, he's had to correct Borat this entire time saying, well, in America, we don't actually, eh, what do you, yeah, sure, I'll be your boyfriend. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, hell, why not? I'm your boyfriend. <laughs> Uh, Mario, I've consulted with the uh, Borat screenplay, and I am seeing uh, the line, I am holding a gypsy while he eat my karam. Yeah, what is that word? Spell that for me. C-H-R-A-M. Uh, <laughs> is this time for the staff picks uh, vocab learn word of the day? Yeah, this is like Pee-wee's Playhouse. When you hear that word, everybody scream. Uh, yes, on Urban Dictionary, Karam means a man's low friend, made popular by the Ali G Show's Kazakhstan reporter, Borat. Yeah, Borat uses that word a couple times in this movie, so for all the kids listening, that's the word of the day here. Yes, and also if you go to Wikipedia, Karam was the son of Clothar I uh, in the Kingdom of Franks. <laughs> yeah, th thank you, I was just wondering about that. <laughs> Uh, this uh, Mike scene is a real good highlight. I mean, th this is this is what happens when literally a uh, you know uh, a participant in a Borat stunt cannot leave the location because <laughs> the location is on wheels. Yeah. Although Mike, I'm pretty sure sued the production afterwards. You might want to look that up in the the lawsuit section because I'm pretty sure he was one. Indeed, it's unfortunate. Baltimore resident Michael uh, sought more than $100,000 in damages from Baron Cohen. He was paid $500 in cash to teach Borat how to drive. And uh, he uh, he said, quote, a documentary about the integration of foreign people into the American way of life. And if he'd known the true nature that the film was a comedy, he never would have participated. I'm happy to report that the case was dismissed in September of 2008. No money was awarded. That's not good for him. <laughs>
Yeah, my good good for Mike here. Good spot here. I do think he makes America look good. He's understanding. He wants to correct. And then at a certain point, he just says, hey, everybody's different. Let's just go with it. Let's all be boyfriends. That's true. And he does point out that rape is wrong. So in, in Mike's <laughs> behalf, he's a good dude. Yes. I mean, how horrible would this movie be if he condoned it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's other people that will be condoning things very soon. So mm-hmm. <laughs> let's not go patting America on the back too much yet. <laughs> America, not out of the woods after 25 minutes. I will quote the great Winston Wolf. Let's not go sucking each other's dicks just yet. <laughs> That's good for me. <laughs> I is hum. <laughs> sucking each other's hums. We're gonna get an we're gonna get an explicit rating for this one, Vic. I'm warning you. Have you ever had one of those before? I have had five episodes of staff picks with explicit, and this is gonna be number six. <laughs> How many of them are with Dan Fields? <laughs> yeah, one. I've only had him on once, and that was the most explicit of them all. <laughs> all right, so uh, here's a scene that I had completely forgotten until I watched this movie again today, mm-hmm. where he goes to buy a new car. Mm-hmm. The classic pussy magnet scene. <laughs> the pussy magnet scene. <laughs> where do I put the pussy magnet? <laughs> but before that, this right off the bat, he goes, I would like to purchase a car that attracts a woman who is shaved down below. <laughs> and what's funny is the guy has a answer. Oh, that would be a Corvette. <laughs> he, he knows that's how you get the shaved women. Look, this this is a true professional car salesman. They're not even listening to you. <laughs> They're just here to sell you. So, yes, uh, you know, quite like a concierge, I think everything is the right answer. Yeah. All right. Now, this might be my favorite line in the movie, and that's really saying something with Borat and that I forgot was in the movie at all until I watched it today, where Borat is trying to tell this car salesman he wants a car. He, and the guy's eventually talking him into a Hummer, one of the big Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, war vehicles. And Borat literally asked a real car salesman, if this car drive into a group of gypsy, will there be any damage to the car? (laughs) The car salesman's like, doesn't miss a beat. He's like, well, it depends on how hard you hit them. And Borat's like, hard. (laughs) I'm going to drive as hard as I can into them. Is the car going to be okay? (laughs) And then the guy answers the question. He's like, well, I'd say about 35 miles an hour. You're knocking him down. <laughs> you go, How fast do I have to drive to guarantee I kill all the gypsies? Well, you know, 35 will probably get it done. 35, 36, whatever it takes. Oh, man. I mean, uh, I, I spent a lot of time of my life, uh, Mario, watching Daily Show uh, clips. And this is something The Daily Show did really, really well, of getting, you know, mundane people to, uh, you know, answer questions in the pursuit of a sale. A lot of times people will really give it to you. And here he's being quite literal. Cars can kill people. Uh, but I do not think car salesmen have the same rep that, like, a gun salesman does. <laughs> and so – and that, sh- that should be corrected. Car salesmen, they're vicious. Yeah. <laughs> And I just have to give one more shout out to another totally inappropriate quote in this scene. One of my all time favorites that I can never quote because it's too gross. But where Borat's talking about his wife and he's talking about, you know, I want a good car that doesn't wear down like my wife's vagine. It was tight once. Now it hangs loose like sleeve of wizard. (laughs) It's also revealed that he bought his wife uh, when they were 12. After three long years, when she was 15. Ugh, disgusting. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. The things you can get away with. I was going to say, I I should point out, I used that quote as my senior yearbook, in my senior quote of my yearbook, that my wife, Vagine, now hang loose like sleeve of wizard. 
No, I didn't. You were homeschooled, right? I was homeschooled. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, and then uh, the actual pussy magnet thing is great because of the punchline for me that he keeps asking, but where do I put the magnet? Where do I put the magnet? And he's trying to say there's no magnet. There's no magnet. Like, uh, and then finally he just says, yeah, we can put it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Where do you want the pussy magnet? It's easier than fighting. It's like Jerry Lundegaard giving up in the, on the true coat. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you betcha. We'll get you the pussy magnet. <laughs> this is also a great uh, monument to how horrible and how much I hated Hummers as a kid. Hummers are the most like uh, disgusting looking cars. They're like widescreen TVs with wheels. Um, I love that there are so many great shots because this is what America really was in 2006. It was a nation of Hummers. Yes. Hey, I should point out $52,000 Hummers that Borat tries to negotiate down to $600. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my store. <laughs> So anyway, I'm going to skip forward it because we're already an hour into this podcast. We're not even like 30 minutes into the movie. We're not half an hour into the movie. <laughs> so Borat ends up buying an ice cream truck and he and Azamat drive across country. But first, they have a quick little stop in Washington, D.C. And this is one that I always kind of forget about because it's just a throwaway scene. It doesn't last very long. But first off, Borat drives by the Uzbek embassy and curses them out, which is a nice scene. <laughs> Fuck you, motherfucker! You know, and that'd be, uh, all the Cossacks in the audience were going crazy and cheering. I remember that when that scene happened in the movie. This is when the rioting began, yeah. frankly. <laughs> and they were happy at first. And then Borat, like, Sasha Baron Cohen actually goes and visits some actual senators at the time. One of them's Bob Barr, who he gives him some, some cheese and he says it's, it's made out of milk from my wife's tit. This, this is too much. This is too much. Because <laughs> the actual idea of milking his wife for food... <laughs> That's the most horrifying image. <laughs> he gets a real senator to eat a piece of cheese, and then Borat says, oh, yeah, it's for my wife's tit. Then they just focus on the senator's face as he has to chew and think about that for he a second. does not spit it out. Let the record show Bob Barr eats the tit milk <laughs> cheese log. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one, again, just just random lines coming at you one after another in this movie with no setup, where he meets, uh, who's the black politician? I forget who it is. This is the great Alan Keyes, who ran for president most recently in 2000. <laughs> yes, and who Borat treats with the utmost of dignity by saying, I interview this man who has a real chocolate face, no makeup. <laughs> is that in voiceover or is that too? It has to be a voiceover, right? Yeah, I really hope that's a voiceover. <laughs> God, I, I just, I cringe at that idea. Like, Alan Keyes is one of those guys that was on The Daily Show. He was on Michael Moore's. So he, like, tried to play the comedy game quite a bit, hoping that it would be like, oh, he's a cool politician. Uh, but I don't think Alan Keyes would be ready for <laughs> such a Baron Cohen in any form. Yeah. Again, I'm leaving out the part that Borat has gone to a gay pride parade at some points here. And again, for as much as Borat hates homosexuals and claims to fear them, Half this movie is him doing gay stuff to other guys, wrestling naked with him, kissing him on the lips. Like, he's, just, he's very confused over what he thinks homosexuality is. Yeah, he doesn't have a dictionary in Kazakhstan. This is definitely a preview of what Bruno will be. I mean, he's just giving you the taste of, you know, he's looking at producers saying, I will do this for an hour and a half for another movie. <laughs> That's crazy. He goes, to, yeah, there's a whole subplot with Borat hooking up with these gay guys at the parade, and one of them apparently shoves a rubber fist up his ass. And so Borat literally starts talking to, Senator Alan Keyes, a senator. Uh, I do believe. Uh, I don't think he ever held elected office. Okay, respected <laughs> politician Alan Keyes. Where where Sasha Baron Cohen's getting him live on camera, saying, "So you're telling me the man who shoved a rubber fist up my anus? You're telling me that was a homosexual?" <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh God, uh, this is uh, this is we get this is where we get Amnus. Uh, just the way he he gets laughter at the of the, of the way he pronounces words. That's hard to do. Everybody knows the word anus, but Amnus. Amnus, Amnus, and vagine. Those are my two favorites. <laughs> I think he brought those to popular culture. I mean, uh, the the my junior high friends never called it an anus. <laughs> <laughs> and I do remember the vagine monologues was a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe that was the gypsy version. I kind of forget if that was the. <laughs> that might not be the Broadway one. In that play, everyone get this. Uh, oh man, <laughs> can we take a moment? I know we're 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 going long, Mario. We're gonna go long here tonight, but I want to appreciate there have been so many comedy cars in in the history of film, and I yet I cannot think of somebody else who's done the ice cream truck. The idea that this thing is, I I can't imagine they bought this off the lot. It's too perfect. It's too it's too funny. This is glorious as a comic conceit. You know what? You have challenged me to say you're actually wrong about that. Please. Because I have long said there was one really funny 80s movie not many people remember or know about where the main character drives an ice cream truck. <laughs> What's it called? Jim Carrey's first movie, Once Bitten. Oh, wow. See, that is not across my uh, my television screen ever before. So there you go, Mario. That's why I got to listen to every staff pick. <laughs> well, I haven't done an episode on that one yet. We'll do that eventually. But Oh, man. In the 80s, you have the movie Bachelor Party, where Tom Hanks drives a school bus, which I love, and then mm-hmm. Once Bitten, with Jim Carrey has the ice cream truck. Those are the two where, if your main character drives a ridiculous vehicle, it's instantly funny. Yeah, my greatest connection was the Hey Arnold character, the Jolly Ollie Man, uh, who was a scary ice cream truck. Honestly, that'd be a good horror device as well. But anyway, for me, this really works as like an iconic, uh, you know, a comedy car. Uh, so uh, uh, all apologies to Jim Carrey, but Borat, I think he wears the ice cream truck best. <laughs> yes. And there's a great – okay, well, I guess we'll get to the bear in a minute. But okay, I'm going to skip <laughs> – Get to the bear. I hate that I have to skip through any of these, but I don't want this to be a three-hour podcast. But okay, so they're driving to the West Coast to meet Pamela, and this is where Borat's on a newscast where they really, literally threw Borat live on the air, which is just a horrible idea. That's like right. Triumph the Insult comic. Don't put him on the air. It's not going to go well. And Borat's <laughs> just doing everything he can to mess up this really this real newscast in Mississippi. And I should point out, I read that the the uh, station manager who put him on the air was actually fired over that. Yes, uh, yes. And of course, that brings us to yet another lawsuit. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, this person was, said that their station completely lost faith in them after they booked uh, Borat. And, of course, this woman booked Borat because Azamat, in character, showed uh, this woman a website they made called Borat.kz, which is the Kazakh, uh, Kazakh um, you know, a domain registry. <laughs> and there's, again, just I, I, I feel like I'm saying this in every scene. There's some random throwaway line I forgot was in the scene but this is one where he's Borat is being interviewed on the news live with a newscaster mm-hmm. and Borat's like you come to my country Kazakhstan I let you stay at my house and the guy's like great and Borat's like I let you sleep in my bed and he's like great and Borat's like I let you make use of my sister and the, the guy <laughs> immediately, immediately cuts him off thank you back to the news <laughs> oh man I'll tell you what I think this is the dream of so many stand-up comics because there's so much time to fill on these local shows that you really can get on there and kind of just ruin it for everybody you won't be invited back but this is probably easier to do than you think and I just I I adore it <laughs> Borat makes the most of his one-off appearance uh, to 16 WAPT news in the morning <laughs> Okay, and now we're up to another iconic scene. And just, I mean, left and right, so many big moments and scenes. And now we're to the rodeo, which might be the scene that everybody remembers the most. 
And this one is, uh, you know, shades of uh, a future, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen acolyte, uh, Nathan Fielder. But this made the news before the movie came out. This was, you know, very much the talk of the town for this specific town. And that's because why? Because Sasha Baron Cohen almost caused a riot. Yes, yes. You know, this is um, we we should give it its full time because this is an essential part of the film. Uh, But the idea of, you know, singing a parody version of the national anthem at the most conservative room in the universe. um, Yeah, uh, it it truly is lucky he was not hurt because he's one man in the middle of a pit and we're not even talking about the bulls yet. Yeah, I mean, this really is Andy Kaufman riling up the Memphis wrestling crowd. It's the exact same thing. Like, he's going to get killed. He's not going to get out of that arena alive. And that's what Borat does. Yeah, it's uh, to sum it up for people who maybe haven't seen it in a while. First, they agree to let Borat go out and sing the national anthem in front of this rodeo crowd. But first, there's a shot of him, like, talking to the promoter, this old, crusty white guy in a cowboy hat. And the guy starts talking about how gays should be hung and stuff. And, like, oh, my God, and Borat's just letting him go. This is a really awkward scene to watch, to watch how far this guy goes. I think this is the scene that Sasha Baron Cohen is chasing and everything else he's done. I think this is the thing that gave him the most pleasure, to really show the absolute ugly hate of certain parts of the country. I think that's the whole premise of Who is America uh-huh. on Showtime. I think it's to, it's to get these guys, because there's a real, there's an actual animosity here. Um, it's super uncomfortable, and it should be noted, this is one of the few people that does not sue the production. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Completely fine with everything he said yeah. there. He's like, yeah, that's pretty much me. You got me right. <laughs> that was Thursday. I remember that. Yeah. And this is the one part he tells Borat, like, shave the mustache because you look like a Muslim. We don't want Muslims in this country. He's yeah. like, shave that mustache. You look like an Italian. You want to be Italian, which as an Italian myself, I'm proud to know we're the model minority. So go us. I thought that was so funny. The way he says Italian, too, but it's like, hey, look, you're not going to be white. We're never going to say that, but you could be Italian. For God's sakes, the man is English. <laughs> He's British. <laughs> you could be off-white. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, like an eggshell. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this is, um, yeah, this guy, he is the promise of, you know, uh, what you can get from footage in the South. It's very ugly, but man, this guy has no shame. And uh, yeah, I, I, he, he was interviewed on the bonus features when they did actual news coverage. Mm-hmm. They get more of this guy. He's the go-to. He's the booker. <laughs> yes. All right, yeah, and this is, again, that is not the most awkward part of this scene because now Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen, goes out into the middle of this rodeo and he's allowed to sing the national anthem. But first, he has to rile up the crowd. And this is where <laughs> he says... I, you know, I want everybody here to America to know we in Kazakhstan, we support your war on terror, war of terror. And they're like, yeah. Yes. And then <laughs> big distinction, war of terror, they cheer. <laughs> May the U.S. and a kill every single terrorist. And people are like, yeah. He's like, he keeps going. <laughs> May George Bush drink the blood of every single man, woman, and child in Iraq. <laughs> yeah, the crowd is going crazy. And they're like, yeah, like, uh-oh, this, is, this doesn't look good. And then Borat decides... I'm going to sing the Kazakh national anthem to the tune of the, nat- the U.S. national anthem. And what it's all about, the national anthem is like basically how Kazakhstan's the best, every other country's run by little girls, and Kazakhstan has the superior potassium. 
Okay. Can I can I tell a personal story, Mario? Of, of course. You have a potassium story for us? <laughs> this is unfortunately not potassium related, but I think it's related to the gag here. Uh, you know, Borat obviously probably agreed to sing the national anthem, and then on the fly he decides to do this parody version. He probably wrote the lyrics. He had obviously the lyrics were written, but he didn't tell them he was going to do this. Uh, one of my proudest moments in high school, I was asked to do the benediction for my graduating class, and the benediction is you have to like read some kind of inspiring you know poetry or whatever. So I was given the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, you know, that classic one about, you know, the future of college. Well, I looked at this thing and said, this does not relate to my generation. And so I spent the night before writing a parody version of it called, Oh, the Places You Thought You Would Go. And it was a very dark tale that ended in a Dr. Seussy suicide. <laughs> I did this thing without telling anybody. And I can tell you, uh, I'll never, locked in my brain are the faces of the parents and students. <laughs> students are into this as a gag. The parents are absolutely horrified. <laughs> so I say if Borat was doing this to an, an entire crowd of like junior and senior graduators, <laughs> this would have gone over great. But unfortunately, everybody here is over the cursed age, and uh, this goes absolutely terribly. But uh, one of my proudest moments, that's the bravest I've ever been. This is, you know, the you know the 15th bravest thing that Sacha Baron Cohen has done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a couple little trivia notes about this scene. Like, Bar he makes up this little Kazakhstan anthem, which is ridiculous. And the crowd starts getting ready to riot because he's making fun of the U.S. anthem. But there's two funny things about that is that if you listen to the end of the movie, they actually produce an actual musical version of this anthem. And it's the same lyrics he was singing. It's played during the end credits. And I read somewhere in the IMDb trivia that a couple years ago there was like a, some shooting event at some Olympics and some Kazakhstan Olymp uh, athlete won the event. And so they had to quickly find a Kazakhstan anthem to play because they didn't have one on record. They searched online. They accidentally found the Borat one. And they played that at the ceremony about potassium and little girls and other countries are the home of the gays. <laughs> the athlete was so pissed. And like to this day, countries like in Olympic ceremonies, they have to have an official Kazakhstan anthem now because of that, because there was like lawsuits threatened over that. Yes. I mean, this is the dangers of downloading music off the Internet. <laughs> Oh, what a glorious thing. It's great because the song builds. It starts off pretty mundane. It's just kind of basically reading Wikipedia facts, and then it gets really, really nasty. Oh, I uh, I hope there is there footage of this out there. I, I bet it's not been released, but, man, that's got to be funny. Yeah, <laughs> and, again, the true story behind this scene is that there literally was a riot, and Borat and his camera crew had to run out of there as fast as possible, and they I remember there was some interview with some lady who was there. She's like, they were going to get shot. Someone had a gun in that crowd and they were going to shoot him if he didn't shut up. And like it came so close to really happening. So this rodeo scene is about as real as this movie gets. Yeah, I mean, and it is it, it, it has the energy of like fear. Like there is a <laughs> it, this is rock and roll comedy, man. I just I have I, I bow down to it because it is it is scary. And um, yeah, it's clear that, you know, uh, how do they here's my question, Mario, maybe you can insight. How do they get the shot of the horse falling down? Because that is the perfect button. And it seems unrelated to everything else. I think it just happened. That's like a, the horse actually just biffed right in the background. Yeah. That is such a, I mean, that is, you know, uh, if you believe in the higher power, that's your gift right there. No one could have given you a better button. So that's what God is spending his time doing, knocking horses over in the background of movie scenes? <laughs> he wanted to see this in the final release. <laughs> Save the sick child. No, that horse must go down. <laughs> that's more of a Zeus move than a God move, I would say. <laughs> we don't know who's up there, Mario. I'll tell you what. <laughs> that's the really New Testament, I'm saying. <laughs> 
I think God is a comedy fan, and this is his, this is his bread and butter right here. Yeah. God loves horse slapstick. <laughs> that was on the blackboard. Yeah, he was like, damn it, you beat me to the blackboard joke. I knew you were going there. <laughs> this horse is uh, dignified. Not. <laughs> All right. uh, glorious. Glorious be to the nation of Kazakhstan. Yes. <laughs> Said the guy who gave a suicide speech as a valedictorian note. <laughs> it was funny. There were jokes. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, here we go. So Borat continues to drive across the country. And this is this is one of the most quotable scenes in the movie, although it's so quick, people kind of don't remember it. But it's the garage sale where Borat sees a garage sale and he sees a woman, some woman in mississippi or the south running a garage shell he's like oh look a gypsy holding a, a gypsy sale <laughs> a gypsy village yes he walks up to her and right to her face he's like do not fear me gypsy all i want from you is your tears and she's like well okay i'm just a lady doing a yard sale and he's like you have many treasures who did you rob for this <laughs> i love this again it shows we are a country of salespeople. this woman not offended by the gypsy remark she says she's americana and then she moves on and she tries to sell borat junk <laughs> <laughs> and i should point out when you know you can put uh, system sounds on your computer when you log on and stuff and then your computer makes noises i have had this borat quote on my computer for like 12 years when you log on this is my windows start sound right here i will look on your treasures gypsy is this understood <laughs> i've had that oh. for years i love that quote that is so funny oh god so this is where we actually get some plot going on here this uh for me this has to be too perfect i i have to believe that they planted this and they yeah. talked to this woman but i don't know we do find the baywatch book with cj pamela in all her glory on the cover and uh this is like you know the new quran <laughs> yes this is the borat's quran <laughs> yeah yeah he finds the pamela anderson sticker book or whatever i don't even know what this is and this will become prime whacking material for him and azamat unfortunately but yeah this will drive him forward the rest of the way because he has a, a book of Pamela Anderson. So he's very excited about this. And now we go right to the Atlanta scene. Yes. Uh, and here we get, I mean, this is, you are literally going into the unknown. We're just going to walk up to random people on the street in the middle of the night and say, uh, I like you. I want to be like you. Yeah. In the hood, let alone. Like, yeah, they, yeah. they, I mean, yeah, you said dangerous. You said that rodeo scene was dangerous. This is, this one always makes me squirm as well. Like, yeah, you're going into the hood in a city like Atlanta in the middle of the night, just walking up to kids playing dice and start doing shtick to them. Like, you don't know what these kids are. Like, are some of those little gangbangers? You have no idea. And Borat just starts doing shtick and he compares the one guy to Michael Jackson. <laughs> but I love that these guys all come across really, really great. Like, yeah, they love you know, you're, you are you are a little frightened at the start because you don't know who these people are, but you realize they're the most into this bit. They think this guy is a great clown. What a great night. <laughs> yeah, they love teaching me to speak like you, which will have this is this is my daughter's favorite scene in the movie. Vanessa always says this is her favorite where they teach him how to talk like a like one of these black street kids. And so Borat, the next scene is him walking into a hotel, immediately launching into urban slang with the snooty desk clerk. <laughs> What's up with it, Vanilla Fist? We need to put up our black asses for the night. We just a couple of pimps, no hoes. <laughs> Me and my homie Azimat, we just parked on the slab outside. 
this sounds like two wild and crazy guys. Exactly. And there's an N-word in there I carefully didn't quote as well. Yes. <laughs> bang, bang, skeet, skeet. Um, this is, yeah, this is, again, what a great, you know, this is a setup and a punchline. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, great button. Uh, sir, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> you will not be staying here tonight. Don't play hate. I love that the uh, the end of this scene is them being physically escorted out by security, which, you know, was one of the 92 times that the cops were called. <laughs> Hotel did not sue. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here we go to another horribly offensive scene. This is the one that really gets people's goats. This one where Borat and Azamat go to a bed and breakfast. This little old lady, the nicest, sweetest old lady and old man take them in and they stop there. And in the middle of the conversation while they're checking in, Borat finds out that they're a Jewish couple. And he's yes. horrified. <laughs> this becomes the Blair Witch Project all of a sudden. Oh, they are so scared and all these. Uh, I love that we are not we're not punching down here, right? This is good because they are not the punchline. It's his fear. It's his craziness that is played for laughs. These people are is they're bringing him dinner. They're so kind. Um, uh, yeah, and this this is just this is this is a very tight rope they walk, but I think they pull it off. Yeah, it's a it's a really dicey scene because like at one point they think the old Jewish couple have shape shifted into cockroaches and Borat's like they're Jews throw them money throw their money run away. <laughs> so, oh man. But yeah, oh, it's man. very it's very. But again, the couple is so sweet. They're the nicest people you've ever seen. And what's even funnier is if you read kind of the uh, aftermath of this movie, that couple loved this movie. They're like he was the nicest man. They were such sweet guests. He's a comic genius. We just loved it. And I'm like, <laughs> did they watch this scene? <laughs> They said they were afraid he was going to do porn. That was their biggest fear. <laughs> Does that happen a lot in bed and breakfast in the South? Is there a lot of porn going on in those? That's got to be what keeps these people up. At <laughs> I hear movement. They must be filming. <laughs> well, I mean, they're going to need a sandwich for all that energy they're expending. <laughs> yes, give them some OJ. <laughs> yes. Okay, so. So Borat and, and Azamat escape the Jew nest and flee, and uh, at this point he thinks he needs protection because travel is dangerous, and we get a real scene of Sasha Baron Cohen going into a gun store trying to buy a gun because he's in America. And again, just like you said, salesmen. Salesmen don't care what you say. They just want to make the sale because <laughs> Borat literally walks up to the guy and says, what's the best gun to defend me from a Jew? And the guy's like, that's probably a 9 millimeter." <laughs> Oh, my God. Yes, yes. And, oh, look at me. I'm like movie star Dirty Harold. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. And then they, they try to get a, uh, a guard dog or some kind of animal to help them. They get a bear, and they're going to be crossing country with a bear. And Please don't skip over the fact that they get a bear. <laughs> this was I. This is the part of the movie I completely forgot about. I completely forgot that there are multiple scenes where Azamat, Borat, and Bear are traveling on a real highway. Bear seems completely free to move around the cabin. Yeah, these were like cut scenes from the Cannonball Run. Like that was one of the one of the the cars in that movie, but yeah. This is the kind of joke I would make fun of in a, in a regular comedy because I think this is pretty it's pretty hacky, right? Yeah. Uh, that's it. But because it is real, this is what this device in the movie, how they film this, gets you. This is suddenly one of my favorite moments because it's again, it is it takes your life in your own hands. They go swimming with the bear. <laughs> I mean, this is it, it takes on a whole new meaning. Yeah, and the bear is actually really good at improv. I'm, it's kind of amazing. He can hold a scene with Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> he roars right on cue. <laughs> he does. Oh. All right. 
Now we are going to get to the scene that I think is the masterpiece in this movie. This is the where he learns fine dining and southern manners. I cannot. There is impossible for me to get through the scene without laughing. There's no way. Mm-hmm. It's it's really well done too, just from an editing perspective. This is this is a dual scene going on. We see Sasha Baron Cohen as Borat with the etiquette coach, and then you also have the highfalutin dinner. And the way they toss back and forth, it never gives itself away. Um, but it really is. It's it's uh, who who's the editor of Borat? Because I feel like no one ever talks about this, but the, the editing here is really superb. Yeah, it's really neat. They basically cut two scenes together, and one scene will set up the other one. And yeah, like you said, it's really actually pretty well done. It's hard to do that in improv because you don't know the footage you don't have yet. Hmm, interesting. Okay. I will watch for that next time I watch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, this is where he sits down in this mansion in the south in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia somewhere, and he's meeting like the, the upper echelon of society, and Borat is just going to mess with them. And it's really amusing to watch how far they'll let him go because they're, you know, southern genteel, and they have manners and stuff, and they will let him get so far before they get mad. It's crazy. <laughs> I want to know what Azamat said to get these, like, the finest people in this small town. You got the minister you got the town socialite this really is a who's who and uh yeah it's it's <laughs> it's glorious uh my, my favorite gag in it is the retired bit uh <laughs> explain that one to people yes um so a borat is meeting everyone around the table i'm the minister i do this oh and what do you do uh yeah well i'm retired now oh oh i'm sorry uh it is very nice you let the retard stay at the table no no he's not he's not he's not uh what you would call retarded no no he's retired uh, it just goes on and on and on, but it's it's glorious. And what's even better, again, I love callback jokes, is that joke pays off at the very end of the scene where Borat is going to get chased out of this dinner and the cops show up and you get to get this great off-screen voiceover from Sasha Baron Cohen saying, why are the police here? Did their retard escape? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, so then we get a scene where there's a moment where uh, Borat is showing off pictures of his son to this southern etiquette coach. And, like, his son, Huey Lewis, who is apparently played by a gay porn star with a massive penis. It's like he, there's full frontal pictures he's showing. This lady's like, this is me and my son. And you get this full frontal shot of a penis. And this lady's like, oh, well, you might not want to show this to the upper crust of society. <laughs> it's such a good joke because it foreshadows that we will soon see Borat's penis. And, like, father, like son, it is so long in the blur. <laughs> yeah. All right. And again, I, I, I feel I've said this before, but this might be the hardest I've laughed in the movie. This might be the hardest I've laughed in any movie ever, just this next line, where we start with Borat talking to the etiquette coach. He's like, should I pay compliments to the peoples? And she's like, yes, say nice things if you mean them. And so this do not tell Borat to be honest. This is not going to work out well. And this is where he's talking about this lady next to him. He's like, you have a gentle face and a very erotic physique. And he's like, he tells this man, is this your wife? And he's like, no, my wife's over there. And he points to this plain-looking lady at the end of the table. And Borat's like, oh, well, these beautiful women next to me, they go crazy in my country for these two. And then he points at the guy's plain-looking wife. Her, not so much. <laughs> God, can you imagine being at that table and filming that and trying not to crack up that he just busted that lady right in her face like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, hats off to the camera people that don't ruin any of these takes because this is just brilliant, brilliant stuff. It is so uncomfortable. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I love that they just let this linger. And then, of course, we we have to top ourselves. This is a scene that is not satisfied with all the wins it's already gotten. Let's take it to the shithole. (laughs) 
excuse me, where can I go to the shithole? <laughs> and she's like, what, the restroom? Yes, the place where you make the shit. <laughs> the brown, do you see what that, do you understand? Uh, yes, yes, the toilet. Yes, you need to use the restroom. Uh, good stuff here. Uh, we get this great moment here. I feel like this is the only moment in the scene that's not about Azamat or Borat. But the fact that they talk about, like, you know, he's very – it's interesting, the culture, right? Like, they are talking about how great they are because they're so accepting of all his eccentricities, which is – this is, I mean, kind of the thesis of the movie. America pats itself on the back for being so understanding. And they, But they are trying in their defense. They're really trying to work with him. Mm -hmm. And then it all goes to hell when he invites a prostitute over to the house of the minister. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and to this we enter here a, a, a rare thing for the movie. This is one of the few actors that we have injected into scenes. This is a comedian named Lunell. Um, she mm -hmm. has played the Houston Improv many times. I've kind of talked to her before. Um, and so, yes, Lunell is here uh, as Lunell. <laughs> And uh, boy, uh, this is I think this is where we lose everybody, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody clears out. They they cannot handle an escort dr dressed in the skimpiest clothing possible showing up in this mansion with all these priests and like <laughs> ministers. So, yeah, they bail. It just goes all to hell. But I do think let's not gloss over there. A lot of people think all oh, this movie is improvised. It's not like you said. She is one of the rare actors in this movie. That is actually a fairly well-known actress. And I know her from The Rock. She's a very famous uh, one scene in The Rock where she's yelling, that I'll go get my gun. She's one of the, the prisoners. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so she, she and Pamela Anderson are like the only two actors really at this point in the movie. And I think that's a smart call because if you actually call a real prostitute, like say, say they did that because that's totally possible for this movie's production, then you can't control the montage that's going to happen. Um, and that is, you get a lot of mileage out of these two together. Again, the comedy pairing of Super Skinny and Big Lady, uh, that pays off dividends when they go into town. Okay, so we're done with this, and just, again, we're, uh, the second, I've always argued the second half of this movie is not as funny as the first. Like, everything, all the big bits for the first 45 minutes, and then you just kind of have the Pamela Anderson thing at the end. But there is one more big scene coming up here, and it's where we're going to get up to the, the fight, the hotel fight. Mm -hmm. Iconic. Yeah, but first I do have to say there's a great scene here where it's, it's really quick and I, you always kind of forget about it where they go to a gift store because he's going to buy a gift for Pamela Anderson to give her when they get to uh, California. Mm. And I love this quote that he tells the guy, I need a gift to give to Pamela so that she would grant me entry into her vagine. <laughs> <laughs> Salesman. <laughs> yes. And he breaks everything in an antique store. And so it's it's a good moment. Like you said, he's graceful. He's not so graceful in that scene. Yeah, this is, I mean, shades of, the other person I can think of that's great at this in comedy is Michael Richards, right? Like, <laughs> he he is able to dance through objects. Um, that is, he, he makes it look, he makes it look not fake. And that is also hard because these guys ultimately accept payment for half of what he broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Vic, we are officially an hour and a half into this podcast. We're going to have to kind of start Woo! wrapping this up. I know, I know. Vic is, Vic is trying to set the record for the longest staff picks. I don't think we've gone two hours on any episode yet, so. Man, and we're not even close to being done with it. My, uh, we got to give the due time to one of the biggest scenes in the history of comedy. This is what people say when they say this is the funniest movie ever made. The oh, yeah. naked hotel ballroom <laughs> brawl. Uh, this, is, this is the great, I think this is the great stunt of the film. This is the scene my eight-year-old daughter was not allowed to watch. <laughs> You're a prude, Mario. Fast forward that. Hit chapter skip about three chapters to get through this whole section. <laughs> All right, so I'll set this up for people where the Borat and Azamat are staying in their hotel, and uh, they're just getting ready to go to California, and Azamat, the producer, 
uh, pulls off the cardinal sin here that he pleasures himself to Pamela in the magazine. And Borat is horrified that he would do that to his dream woman. And Borat lets loose the dread cry, How dare you make hand party over Pamela? Hand <laughs> party. Yeah. Hand party is a word that is not used often enough in English, I found. Introduced into the vernacular here, I think. It's perfect. Hand you party. Use your hand party on your hum. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, they just start fighting and wrestling, and every single moment of this entire next 10 minutes of the movie is them naked. Mm. The actors are really naked, and they're on top of each other, and it's got one of the great jokes in the movie is that Azimot is not blurred at all, Borat's genitals are blurred, but it's the biggest blur possible. Like, it's got, it's like a full-on ruler. <laughs> yeah, that's a great gag. Uh, both these guys just give every bit of it. Even if they are blurred, there's 100% of Azimot sitting on Borat's face. I mean, his face is in his asshole. It is, I mean, it is, it's hard to go through if you're not enjoying this. <laughs> yeah, it's a scene you don't show an eight-year-old child. Let's put it that way. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so they slap fight, and they're wrestling, and they're slamming into walls. And then this is the thing that just absolutely floors me that they would film this in a movie. They run out into a real hotel, and they start filming these two naked guys just beating the crap out of each other. One of them holding a rubber fist, I should point out. <laughs> I think that we should uh, give a shout-out here to the sound editors on Borat, because, you know, these guys literally aren't mic'd because they are naked. But the sound of the flesh as it runs down the hallway definitely haunts me. <laughs> yeah. And Azimat is not someone you want to see, A, naked, and B, running while naked. It's not high on anybody's bucket list. I'll oh point that out. Oh, my God. This is, I mean, again, the dedication to the craft. These guys enter an elevator, and, oh, my God, nobody reacts like how they should. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing. You cannot possibly explain the scene without seeing it. With them going to full-on naked, these two guys walk into a real elevator, and there's, like, a whole family in there, and all the women are like, oh, my God, <laughs> and they're trying so hard not to look, and it's just one of the greatest bits of editing comedy I can think of anywhere that the women slowly trickle out of the elevator on different floors and so it looks like Borat and Azimat are the only two in the elevator these two naked guys and it's just it sits there for a beat and then the camera just pauses over to the pulls over to the left to the one guy who's left in there trying desperately not to look at them and staring straight ahead it's the greatest little moment I mean this is just this there's no planning for all of this right this is totally instinct so everybody is working on their A game that is so brilliant the guy sits there he's uncomfortable and then he gets off on his floor. <laughs> yeah, he just, uh, four, please. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've already been given the gift. You could cut the scene here, but no, no, no. We have to go bonkers on top of ourselves. This is unbelievable. These people were not arrested and <laughs> spent, you know, weeks in, because they are breaking the law as they jump into the mortgage broker's annual gala. <laughs> yeah, and which is real. I think this is completely legit. It looks yeah. like an actual convention of mortgage brokers. Sasha Baron Cohen, who, again, he's doing this live. This is a very well-known comedian, naked running into an actual convention, having a slap fight with a fat guy. Like, Andy Kaufman wouldn't have even done that. And so it just descends into a ballroom brilliance. Uh, but this is um, uh, this is there, there were like teases of this. I remember this in the trailers because you would see like a bit of them in like the distance and you'd hear the sound, but you couldn't see the footage. This is the thing that everybody talked about for years after Borat. The not jokes were used in conversation, but this scene was like a rite of passage 
when you're a 13-year-old <laughs> trying to see a rated R movie. Yeah. And again, I should point out my daughter thinks it's the funniest movie of all time, and she didn't even know about this scene. <laughs> wow. That See, there you go. That shows. If Oh, man. If you could do, like, uh, if would someone's favorite movie of uh, uh, a Caddyshack be if you didn't see any of the gopher scenes, right? Like, yeah. that's a huge portion of the funny here, and there are so many good scenes to spare. It's like Seinfeld. The supporting cast is so great that the, you don't even need the main star to be the star. Yeah, yeah. So this is um, this is the one where we don't really see any aftermath. I think this is I, – I just – I am dying. This is probably the one I want to know what happens after the camera stops because when we come back, Borat is alone. But what happened in real life to these people? <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, I would, I would love to see a DVD someday with all the ex, actual police footage of them being arrested and their sentencing. Yes. Uh, you know, top five interviews for me is Larry Charles because, you know, he is, he's seen this all. He, uh, how long does the camera go until they say, these are comedians? Because if they never did, that is, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine being sentenced in a court in character? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Borat, he will not break character. He's going to do a 10-year sentence as Borat because he will not break character. <laughs> oh, God, Kaufman is smiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned Larry Charles. Well, we have not mentioned that he actually directed this movie, right? Yes, Larry Charles is the director. He is, obviously, the Seinfeld connection is clear. He's one of their earliest writers. And um, this is a great example of how how much he had to plan to make this work out and how much he had to raise his hands when the day comes, right? Because you can't control it when you're in the environment, but so much has to go right. And you know that to get all these shots, they planned. All right, so there's really only two big scenes, so I think we can actually keep this under two hours, Vic. I'll do my best here. <laughs> and I'll do my best to stop you. <laughs> I know, you're the mole. You're going to crush my <laughs> dreams here. V is the mole. The mole is, is Vic. My mole! <laughs> 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 so so Borat is all alone here. He's not been to California, and he still has one goal in mind. He wants to find Pamela and make romance explosion on her stomachs, <laughs> and he also wants to take her vagine for the first time and uncork her. <laughs> so... <laughs> like a bottle of wine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pamela Anderson's like a fine scotch. <laughs> uh, Azamat was kind enough to leave uh, Borat the Baywatch book, which I found on Amazon you could buy for $10.95. From a gypsy? <laughs> yes, you must give to Gypsy, and she give you a delicious hand party. <laughs> All right, you got me on that one. <laughs> oh, great. Gypsy hand parties. That's where we've gone to. Is that our hashtag? <laughs> yeah, hashtag Gypsy hand party. Yeah, that's my new uh, Twitter handle as well. All right, so so this is where Borat ends up in an RV with a bunch of frat guys. Oh. Yeah, definitely one of the most notorious scenes in the movie. And when people say this movie makes Americans look bad, they're not talking about me and Vic making hand party jokes. They're talking about these guys in the RV. <laughs> yes, this is, uh, you know, what is, what, are, what is the good fortune that Borat is hitchhiking and this Winnebago full of drunk college guys who cannot wait to say the wrong thing comes along. They have a DVD player in their Winnebago. This is just gorgeous. <laughs> the fate that had to happen for this to work out. And uh, this really is like, uh, you know, an impromptu three stooges. You have the different kinds, right? You have loud and brash. You have the supportive kind one. And you have uh, Mo. <laughs> yes, Mo. <laughs> Although, yeah, so this is the scene that's really notorious because uh, Sasha Baron Cohen drags these kids into a conversation about slavery, how we need slaves again. And these kids from University of South Carolina immediately take the bait that slavery is good. We need slaves again. And I'm like, oh, boy. And this is 
it doesn't will not surprise you to know that these kids all sued the production afterwards. Yes, and rightly so. I mean, they were inebriated when they signed the uh, waivers that allowed them to be in this movie. Um, but I'm surprised these guys would not be treated like champs on their college campus. They say horrible things, and they got to meet Borat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had to drink with him. How cool is that? Yes. Uh, let's get drunk! Uh, this is, yeah, this is a really fun montage. Uh, and then we get back to the Pamela story, where uh, we did not see the scene, but I guess Borat went to, like, a gas station or something, and has gotten, like, a really clearly bootleg copy of Pamela Anderson's sex tape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. On top of these guys just being jerks and pro slavery. Now they're going to ruin his dream by showing him the sex tape of his dream girl. <laughs> so these guys are just unsavory characters. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is my new wife. And I'll go, oh, yeah, I will take her virginity for the first time. And then these guys break the news far from a virgin, Pamela. Um, and this this is the last straw for poor Borat. He's been through so much, and this he cannot take. Uh, it's lucky that these frat guys were not killed in Borat's rage. <laughs> you know what else I also love about the scene is that they say goodbye to Borat at the, at the end of the uh, the scene, and they don't know his name. They call him Boris. <laughs> They've been with him for hours in the Winnebago, and they have not actually figured out what his name is. I love the idea that maybe these guys never saw the movie because they kept looking for the Boris film. <laughs> Where is Sasha Baron Cohen's Boris? <laughs> That's why they sue. They signed releases for Boris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is that is so funny. Yeah, these guys, um, uh, there is, like, you can smell this wagon, right? It's disgusting. <laughs> these guys have a big hug at one point. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it's been days since the shower. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do my best to finish this podcast under two hours because we're going to jump over the entire church scene, Vic. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Well, can we just say uh, for a second that uh, if, if we're doing the motif here of, of great salesmen, then the greatest salesman in this film is the man who sells Jesus to Borat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Jesus. Yeah. Not, not only does Borat accept Jesus, he says, together, my friend Jesus, we will take Pamela. <laughs> Uh, and uh, it's important to know that Jesus loves uh, Borat's retarded brother, Bilo. <laughs> That's true. He does love Bilo. <laughs> All right. So here's the end of the movie. Borat makes it to California, and he finds out. He meets Azamat, blah, blah. And he finds out that Pamela, his dream girl, is doing a book signing. Mm -hmm. And this is where the movie gets really interesting because some of this is staged and some of this isn't. Where they contacted Pamela Anderson. They said, Sasha Baron Cohen, you probably know who he is, does a show on uh, whatever, HBO. He's going to come and as his character Borat is going to try to abduct you. <laughs> Just play along with it. <laughs> so she's like, okay. And she actually does a pretty good job. But what's hilarious is that her bodyguards were not told that it was happening. <laughs> So everything that happens in the scene on their end is them real. Them basically tasering him and beating the crap out of him. That's all real. <laughs> yes, and, he, and it's important to note, he does this in front of a long line of Pamela Anderson fans. Like, yeah. this is the perfect opportunity for, like, okay, it just takes one man to save a life. Like, this is a very scary thing if you don't know what's going on. And, uh, yeah, Saucer Baron Cohen takes it uh, quite literally on the head uh, to, for, for the gag to work. It, it's just great cinematography, too, of Pamela running in the parking lot away. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you would never know, you know, uh, that she is part of this because she plays her part right. She did a great job. I will give full credit to Pamela. She is a much more natural actress than in the other movie of hers we saw in this movie. <laughs> yes. Yes, I believe this moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, just to sum up, she's doing a book signing, and, and Borat wants to marry her. And apparently in Kazakhstan, you 
prepare this the traditional wedding sack and you tie up your wife and run off with her so he goes at first although i forgot to mention that at first he's shocked that she's doing a book signing he's like what a woman has written a book <laughs> yes uh i i love i love borat's cultures we've even talked about the fact that the borat he worships the hawk so this is uh, this is all completely made up his religion has this sack yeah Okay, so I'm from Southern California. I can tell you where this scene was filmed. Oh, yeah? Uh, in Anaheim, there's a mall called The Block. Now it's called The Outlets, but it was called The Block for many years. And there used to be a Virgin Mega Store. Mm. And I used to work right next to this place. So I was at the store every day for lunch. So I know exactly where this is filmed. And it really was a book signing. And again, it was I was working there when they were filming it. I remember kind of hearing the story that it was just nearby. But yes, it's a real Virgin Megastore, which doesn't exist anymore, and he tries to abduct Pamela, and the bodyguards do not find it funny, and there's a great chase scene where he's running out into the parking lot in the, at the mall, and the bodyguards just tackle him and throw him to the ground, and like he's just full commitment to the art here. <laughs> it really is a thing of beauty, and it's like... um. It, 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 it wasn't guaranteed when they started this that they would get the ending they needed, but this really is the it's the end of a quest, um, and it, it comes together so well because uh, Borat again he learns a lesson in this film. This film has a moral that sometimes the prettiest girl or the least available one is not the perfect person for you to be with. <laughs> sometimes it's the person that was there the whole time. We actually get to go back to Luell. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so she's back. She makes the camera. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have the callback. First, we yells at Pamela. I'm, I'm not attracted to you anymore. Not. <laughs> and then he goes back to Luell. Yeah. So he takes his Alabama or Georgia prostitute and brings her back to Kazakhstan as his new wife. <laughs> and like, it's, yeah, home again. We get this wonderful scene that wraps up things. My favorite gag is, uh, I got iPod, but my neighbor, he gets iPod mini. Those are for girls. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I kind of forgot this joke that, or maybe I never noticed it before, that he's got a neighbor who was an amputee, mm. and now that he's back in his village, he's helped him by giving him a prosthetic limb. It's the rubber fist that was up his ass in Washington, D.C. <laughs> yes. The rubber fist makes it. It makes it all the way through the movie. Yes. A gag totally borrowed by Guardians of the Galaxy a couple of years later. But yeah, it's really well done here. Subtle. <laughs> Subtle rubber fist up the ass joke. <laughs> yes. And you know what? That's it. We finished in under two hours, Vic, despite all your nefarious plans. I had so many nefarious plans, but uh, Mario, the question has not yet been answered. We've gone through this movie beat by beat, but can we rule definitively? Is this the funniest movie ever made? Yeah, well, we were using uh, different terms at the start. Mm -hmm. One one time we said funniest movie, and one time we said greatest comedy. Mm -hmm. So let's, okay, so uh, Entertainment Weekly declared it the greatest comedy or the funniest movie? Funniest movie. So funniest movie. Well, I have to give this movie credit. Uh, Rewatching it, it is tight as a drum or any other analogy that Borat might make. Um, <laughs> this film has nothing that is not essential. I, I, I would say, yes, uh, maybe it slows down a little bit, but I think there's a laugh fatigue element, too. I think you mm -hmm. laugh so hard in this film, you actually need a little bit of time to recover. And that's when sad Borat comes. We didn't even talk about the time where he lets the chicken go. <laughs> That's right. I skipped over it. Sorry, Vic. Oh, man. It's so good. So um, is this the funniest movie ever made? I think it's definitely in the conversation. I think it's flawless. And it is so risky in all the things it tries. Um, it's 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 impossible to ignore it as an essential piece of the canon. Um, and it, I think it might be. It's really, really good. Yeah. Well, so yeah, structurally, I don't think it's really like a great comedy movie just because I don't think it – 
again, it's just little vignettes, and they're kind of loosely connected. And I think they're all great, but like I would say a movie like A Fish Called Wanda is a more perfectly structured comedy, mm-hmm. just as a straight movie. Mm-hmm. But in terms of how hard I laughed at a movie, I can think of almost nothing I laughed at harder than Borat, like routinely through the movie. It's mm-hmm. not just one laugh. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having a hard time picking my three favorite scenes in this movie because I'm laughing so hard at all of them. So... This might indeed be the funniest movie I've ever seen. And again, that's why uh, I'm shocked that some people <laughs> don't didn't find this movie funny. I'm like, how could you not find Borat funny? Like, what part, what does make you laugh if this movie doesn't make you laugh? I think it's very clear that Borat was a victim of his own success. This became the standard for what people thought comedy was at a certain time in America. And because you are the standard bearer, people want to bring you down. I feel like... Uh, People went into Bruno expecting the next Borat, and they were so happy that they couldn't do this again. They couldn't pull the hat trick off twice, which kind of undoes the magic of the first one. I think just because it's in the front, it's getting shot at. But uh, I think now that people have kind of forgotten about it, and maybe even maybe just written it off, like, I know what Borat is without having to see it. I bet there's a lot of people that fall into that camp. Uh, I'm here to tell you, both me and Mario saying you are missing out. This film has so much more than my wife, which is a great catchphrase, but there is so much going on here. It is. It's the buffet of comedy. If you're hungry, you can find something to eat. Yeah, and I was going to say, point out just how spoiled you are as a Staff Picks co-host. I have done Walk Hard and Borat with you, which might be the two funniest movies of the 21st century. Yeah, Mari, what have I done to earn this? I am so lucky that we share a comic sensibility, uh, but I know I'm not the only one. You've had so many great co-hosts, and uh, I'm happy to be the steward of these things uh, because one was underseen at the time, and people have discovered, and I think one was overseen at the time, and people are rediscovering, so... Uh, kind of two sides of the same uh, comic coin. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it because it's something I brought up at the start of the podcast that this movie was such a big deal and I think he won a Golden Globe and it might have even been nominated for an Oscar for at some point for something. He was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, uh, but he was not nominated for acting, which is a real shame, but he was nominated for a Golden Globe for acting. Okay. See, this is what I remember, my my history with this movie, is that I remember it just being everywhere and within like a year quoting Borat or referencing Borat was considered so hacky. Mm-hmm. So you just, just stop doing that. Stop doing So everyone just got sick of it. And I think that's kind of what happened as much as anything else. Like you said, everyone's aiming for number one. People like taking success down. Mm-hmm. I can make a whole argument over James Cameron, who's been number one in everything, and everyone hates him just because he's number one. But yeah, Borat was like the big comedy. And within a year, it was considered passe to be quoting it. And like, we got to bring quoting it back because this is the <laughs> freaking funniest movie ever. I swear to God. Yeah. And as you said, there's so many quotes that you really can't say in Mixed Company without getting uh, kicked out. Um, but I, I want to give so much credit to Sasha Baron Cohen, who, uh, you know, when this was the biggest movie in America, we didn't go Hangover 1, 2, 3, you know, churn it out for everything it's worth. After he did this movie, he said, this character is too popular. I'm going to retire it. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's not walking away, you know, while it's fresh, I, I don't know what else is. So I, I really hate the people that are happy when people kind of shit on Borat or, you know, th- just the idea that this thing is not worthy. It's a unique thing that did something very hard. The level of difficulty was nearly insurmountable. He accomplished it and then walked away. That is, I mean, he should be revered in the same breath as the Seinfelds of this universe. A hundred percent agree. Yeah, this is a very special piece of comedy for me, and I, I really hope it gets a big renaissance one day. Because yeah, I got, I have nothing bad I could say about it. Yeah, and so the fact that this did not become the thing that everyone copied, I do not think is. Uh, it honestly just makes it all the more impressive. There weren't a lot of Borat clones, and wisely so. So 
Um, if you are looking for a, you know, a slice of America in the Bush years, if you're looking for just, yeah, great satire that goes for it, uh, Borat <laughs> is a beautiful thing. And the soundtrack is so good. Get that song for your iPod mini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited I get to start this podcast with the Kazakhstan National Anthem. <laughs> well, now i got to pick what the little stinger is going to be at the end for the credit at the end, the little quote. Like, how do I possibly pick one Borat quote? I don't know. I don't envy you, man. This is There's too many here to pick. You should pick something from a scene we didn't even get to talk about because there's so much good stuff. <laughs> I'll pick something from a different movie. How about that? <laughs> like some, some like Jennifer Aniston quote from a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So just, uh, again, you've done walk hard. You've done Borat. You're getting the cream of the crop of these co-hosting duties. So next time I got to give you a really shitty unknown movie. So that's next time I'm going to give you something hard to work with. Cause again, Borat, anybody could pull off a Borat episode, right? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. And I just barely got through. Well, honestly, I'm here on season two of staff picks. I could walk away on top, right? I've done the best there is. I could never talk to you again, Mario. My legacy would be secure. All right, well, I have that in writing, so you, you've just claimed you never want to be on, so that's wonderful. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I would love to come back if you ever have me. Uh, I know that this is this is going to be a hard show to get on uh, one day. You know, the, the ratings are going up and up and up, and uh, I'll be hanging down here uh, <laughs> waiting to – I'll be hanging out with Lunell. <laughs> All right, well, again, I just want to thank you for coming by. Vic, people might not know Vic does more podcasts than I do. He has a lot more experience. So I'm always excited when I get someone who is easy to work with. Like a lot of times I kind of have to lead people through interviews or I'm kind of trying to steer them in a, in a certain direction with Vic. I'm reacting to him as much as he's reacting to me. It's kind of fun to do. So I just want to thank you for coming on board again. And thank you for being uh, my co-host here on one of my favorite comedies and tell people where they can find you or what you're up to these days. Well, thank you so much, Mario. I grew up listening to you. So the, the, the praise goes back there. Uh, you can follow me at Vic Shutte, S-H-U-T-T-E-E is how you spell my last name. V-I-C is my first. Uh, I'm doing all these kind of things on Twitter. I have a lot of, you know, my, we're still doing my big daily show rewatch there on the Hale Satire Network. We're in the middle of 2002, so we have made progress. This is where we're actually close to the end of it, so that'd be four years of a talk show we have watched in real time. Uh, that's been a really fun experience. And then we're always doing interviews and stuff. Uh, recently got to talk to some really cool people uh, that are doing comedy, um, and uh, it, it's, it's such a great experience. So if you want to check out some of our conversations, we just talked to like an expert on Ernie Kovacs, uh, who released a thing for Shout Factory, talked to uh, the great comedian Anthony Atamanek. I don't know if you watched The President Show uh, on Comedy Central. He does a great Trump impression. We talked about the mechanics of that. So if you want to check out, go to hailsatire.com or check me out on Twitter. And uh, if you like comedy, so do I. We can talk. Please reach out. And uh, I'd love to have a conversation because honestly, all I do is bo bother Mario about my comedy thoughts. <laughs> I don't have the same uh, you know network of people that love to talk about the funny stuff. That's right. Now put me on your show again one of these days. I'd love that. Let's figure something out. We can do, hey, you had me on twice. I have to have you on a second time. So the ball is in my court. We'll make it happen. All right. Sounds good. And again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you need to reach me, you can reach me at staffpicks at gmail dot or Sorry. You can reach me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Gypsy Hand Party. Until the next time, I'll be out there searching for more underrated or underloved movies, and I will try to find somebody interesting to come on and talk about them. Thank you for watching my film. I hope you like. Bye. <laughs> Very nice. What is it, Diaz? That's cheese. What is it, Diaz? That's cheese.
And this, what is this? Cheese also. And what is this one? That's cheese. This one over here, what is it? Cheese. And this? That's cheese. And this? Cheese. And this? Cheese. And what is this? Is That's it coffee? Cheese. Is this a rice? That's cheese also. And this is a rice? That's cheese also. And what is this? That's cheese. And what is this? That's cheese. 